What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny's MCU in review rewatch. Of course, I am Tim Geddes and I am joined by the Texas Street Latino Heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds, the globe trotting, head shotting, rooting, tooting, three point shooting, nitro rifle from twitch.tv. Andy, you're, you're fucking on it right now. I'm on it right now, everybody. I'm feeling <laughs> real good. <laughs> we also have the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hi, Tim. Hi, Nick. Excited for this one. And we have, it's Christmas in April. Well, Joey Noel. Gotta check the calendar. Time's going It is. Time's going real fast. What yeah. I'm excited about for this is, since it's a rewatch for In Review, we're not re-ranking, we're not doing any of that. We're just having fun talking about one of our favorite films of all time, and Guardians of the for. Galaxy. Prepping for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the end of the James Gunn trilogy. But Joey, I'm excited to have you on this because yeah. you weren't here for the first go-around. Correct. And you're here now. And your hair, if I remember correctly, is the color that it is because of this movie. I mean, yeah, these days it's like real purple and not that, but my fun hair journey started because I watched this movie and I was like, I love Gamora's hair and that's what I want. And I literally walked into a hair salon and I was like, I would like this. Yeah. And, you walked uh, out green. <laughs> why, why are you just painting me? Um, but yeah, so that's definitely like the the origins of the Joey Fun Hair story. But in watching this, I was like, do I grow my hair back out? Do I do I do this again? I, you, got, you got a couple weeks for, Reason for the season, Joe. Reason for the season. And rounding out the group today, it's very rare that we have guests on the rewatch, but I'm trying to make it happen a little bit more. Recently, we had Eric Voss from New Rockstars come to join us for the Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, rewatch. But now I'm extremely excited for the very first time to have MT from New Rockstars join us, a man that I've been promoting on this show (laughs) as being a a world record holder uh, unofficially as the person that has watched this movie the most times in his life. Is that is that accurate, MT? One thousand percent, and I'm not proud of it. Um, it is an unhealthy habit that I've developed since like 2017, and like I've been trying to find this Easter egg for years now, and um, that's why I've been rewatching this movie. It's it's going through frame by frame and um, just making myself suffer. So like. Thumbs up for me. I love it. MC, your your uh, MCU breakdowns are some of the best content on the internet. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, you should definitely go follow him over on Mastertainment on Twitter. Also check out New Rockstar's channel every day. They're dropping amazing breakdown videos. But MTs in particular, I'm a major fan of. Uh, one of my favorite presenters, one of my favorite writers. Very clever. Uh, really good at, at, at finding all the stuff and also presenting it in an amazing way. Um, but one of my favorite things you've done, MT, is the Marvel trigger theory. The MT theory oh. here. Where he has this whole science of how he breaks down the MCU via the use of color, where every color while mentally breaking down, <laughs> while mentally breaking down as well, uh, also accurate. Yes. Yeah, but I, I just I really appreciate uh, what you put into all this stuff, and like there's like there's there's science behind it, which is really rad. So go check out the uh, the Marvel Trigger Theory video uh, over on uh, New Rock Stars. But also, yeah, so we were talking about this a little bit, but the reason you've seen this movie so many times is James Gunn has been on record as recently as like two weeks ago saying there's still one big 
giant Easter egg in Guardians 1 that no one has found. And for the last couple of years, what have you been up to? Um, just looking for that Easter egg because, like, uh, James Gunn said that, like, I, apparently I'm the closest one to finding the Easter egg Whoa. so far. So, like, that has been torturous to my soul. <laughs> what a burden uh, to put on yourself. <laughs> I know. And, like, I get so many messages from people, like, so, like, where, what is it, MT? Like, what are you going to find? And I'm like, maybe sometime this entry? Who knows? Um, but, like, yeah, that's been my entire life's mission is finding this egg. And when I do, I think I'll just disappear like Obi-Wan Kenobi um, <laughs> in A New Hope and uh, just give up the ghost. Nick, um, you, you had yeah. your hand raised. Yeah, and no, I just wanted to ask a question because there was one Easter egg that I noticed. Mm -hmm. Did you know mm -hmm. that one of the guys in this uh, played Ricky Bobby's best friend in Talladega Nights? Oh, wow. You that might want to read out James Gunn, and maybe maybe <laughs> Nick just cracked the code. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. I don't you guys know you crossover there. Some crossover there. What I love about this, though, MT, is that you, you really work hard on this. And, of course, in the beginning, it kind of started, oh, I think I got it, I think I got it. But now every couple months, they'll I, I'll get I'll see a tweet from you that's like, <laughs> dropping my next easter egg video tomorrow i think i got the one <laughs> and then you'll tweet it at james gunn and like a day will go by to be like sorry mt not this one oh. but good try and then every couple months we get another one it's just it's it's really cool man so Fun. happy to have you I like the, tim i like the idea of it being like government funded like how boston dynamics is just making robots and you're like <laughs> yes. where are they getting that money for where how's yes. mt being funded oh he's just the government is like you need to find this <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's get into it today. We are talking. Oh, no, this is kind of funny. in review where each and every week we get together to rank, review and recap different movie franchises. You could watch it on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. You could also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review and we'll be right there for you. Uh, if there's a franchise you love, a franchise you hate, chances are. We've already covered it on this show. Hundreds of episodes of this show have happened, and hundreds more will happen. Right now, we are on our way to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Extremely excited for that. So, of course, that means next week we will be doing Guardians 2 as well. Um, very exciting times, because right after that, things go off the rails. And I don't even I don't have the calendar in front of me, so I'm not sure exactly what the rollout is. But pretty much starting with Guardians 3, every week is a new movie coming to theaters that we're going to have to rank and review against other franchises so get hyped it is movie season everybody um the perfect time to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to get the show ad free and watch live as we record it like so many beautiful people all are right now dependable madman thank you for being here ryan powell higgins of course a classic we know you so long and so well and we appreciate you so very much uh today we're brought to you by rocket money but we'll talk to you about that later shout out to our patreon producers Tripod Plus Plus, James Hasting, Casey Andrew, Nathan Lamoth, and Al Tribesman. The best around. No one's ever going to keep you down. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Volume 1, released on July 21st, 2014, making it the 10th project in the MCU. That was it? What a quaint little time, That's right? weird. It is really weird. <laughs> it is the fourth out of sixth movie in Phase 2. Yeah, I would have guessed it was like 18. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 18 would be, a, I think, Infinity War. Jesus. Which is just wild to wow. think of, like, how quickly these all kind of just started to, to ramp up. Um, this film's the first MCU film to not have a kissing scene. Quill and Gamora almost kiss, but they don't. Fun fact for you, everybody. She doesn't fall for his pelvic sorcery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> what a great funny movie this is. Uh, a runtime of two hours and two minutes. It was directed by James Gunn, the first MCU movie by him. Of course, now we know he's went on to do Guardians 2, Guardians 3, Guardians Holiday Special. On the DC side, he's done Peacemaker, The Suicide Squad, and now is about to run the DCU. And we're all extremely excited about that. Um, James Gunn stated several times that Rocket was a big, if not the main reason, he wanted to make this movie. In fact, when it was confirmed that the film was a hit, Gunn put a heartfelt thank you letter online, specifically thanking everyone for letting a raccoon make them a little more human. You gotta love it. That's nice. And that scares me for Guardians 3. I'm so scared for our boy. (laughs) All right. Oh my God. Uh, I'm terrified for both Rocket and Kraglin. Like those two, I'm like, okay. Let's uh, please try to survive. Yeah, please try your best, boys. Uh, this one was written by James Gunn and Nicole per- Perlman, uh, the first woman to be credited for writing a Marvel screenplay. Uh, she also did the story credits for, or she has credit for story on uh, Captain Marvel and Detective Pikachu. Uh, music was done by Tyler Bates. Uh, he has done a ton of stuff for Zack Snyder, like 300 and Sucker Punch. Um, did Halloween 1 and 2 with Rob Zombie. Um, and also did the entire John Wick franchise. Oh, so, shit. Bringing the heat. Yeah, Guardians 1 and 2. Miss. Yeah, really good stuff here. Uh, Guardians 1 and 2 and the Hobbs and Shaw uh, over on the Fast and Furious side. Great main theme. Oh, real strong. Yeah. Real solid. And uh, we gotta have Tim. We one day we gotta. This is a side. We gotta have Tim rank all the things. I appreciate that. We should because like empty. Nobody impresses me more than Tim when we're like, uh, we're, we're you know fucking ass deep in a movie, and then Tim will be like. It's crazy they brought back that music motif. I'm like, dude, I don't notice any of this shit pop up. Like, I don't, I don't notice these random things pop up at certain moments. And he's like, oh yeah, remember so and so's arc is like, Tim, that show got canceled ten years ago. What are you talking about? It's, it's because of Tim that I noticed uh, when we were watching the Batman, the very understated Ave Maria that runs every fucking five seconds of that exactly. of that movie. Exactly. Um, and a fun little soundtrack fact here: the soundtrack album Awesome Mix Volume One reached number one on the U.S. So Billboard. I still listen chart. to that. I still listen oh, to that so to this good. day. We're about to get a new one, y'all. To We're about day. to get a volume three. <laughs> hey. uh, it's the first film soundtrack ever to do so without any original music. It was also nominated for the 2015 Grammy Award for Best Soundtrack. Uh, the budget was just over $200 million. And a fun fact here, Bradley Cooper, ah, Bradley Cooper told Howard Stern that he was paid more for voicing Rocket in this movie than for starring in Silver Linings Playbook and The Hangover combined. Oh, my God. Wow. Even The Hangover. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. Well, that I guess The Hangover... I guess, the Hangover kind of made him. Yeah, hang, but I feel like Hangover 2 is where you get the big paycheck. Mm, yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. Okay, that kind of mm. makes sense now. Yeah, it does. But it... He's just the voice in this, because the the motion capture actor is Sean Gunn, J- yeah. James Gunn's brother. So, um, the wild stats there. Box office of seven hundred and seventy three point three million, making it the third highest grossing film of twenty fourteen. Um, and do you guys want to guess what the movies that beat it were? Twenty fourteen. What grossed more money than Guardians three? Oh. Oh, Avengers one. That was twenty twelve oh, in that year. Yeah, in twenty fourteen. Box office. Oh, okay. Jeez, I don't even know what. I mean, I'd have to. Th- was that 10 years Number ago? Number two? Nine years ago. Is it a Fast and Furious movie? No. So Guardians had 772 mil. Uh-huh. Coming in at 962 mil. The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five. What a, oh, what a waste of money. Damn. And at number wow. one. With one uh, point I'm so sorry, everyone that paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> at number one, with 1.1 $1. <laughs> $1. $1 million. Billion dollars made. 
Transformers Age oh, go of fuck Extinction. Yourself. That's the Mark Wahlberg bullshit. one, everybody. Mark Wahlberg is a box office draw. We all know it's that. a Transformer. Oh my oh, god, I, think I just <laughs> found a Transformer. Uh, which <laughs> at the time, <laughs> just say it, made it the tenth highest grossing film of all time. Jesus, that has changed. We, now. Wow. we deserve the meteorite that eventually kills and wipes us all. Hundred percent, we deserve it. <laughs> uh, in terms of awards, it was nominated for two awards at the 87th Academy Awards and received numerous other accolades uh, at the uh, Oscars. It was nominated for Best Makeup uh, and Hairstyling and Best Visual Effects, but it lost out to The Grand Budapest Hotel and Interstellar. Uh, I mean, that's that. stiff competition. Yeah. That's hard not, to take that's down wrong. Wes Anderson on. Yeah. It is. It is. I do want to get into a couple fun facts that I found, Ooh. specifically aimed around our boy Vin Diesel. MT, we're big <laughs> Fast and Furious fans over here. Um, and okay. we love We love the eccentricities of Vin yeah, Diesel. Yeah, sure. He's an interesting guy. <laughs> you know? um, so we got a lot of fun facts about him that just, just made me oh, smile. I and I want to share that with I, y'all. Can one of the facts be that he was walking around and being like, look, Meryl Streep taught me everything I know. Okay, you all, need to, you all need to listen to me. I'm a thespian. <laughs> Vin Diesel recorded all his lines in several different languages, Many languages, including Russian, Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, German, and French so they could use his real voice in the film around the world. According to Vin Diesel, the voice of Groot, he recorded Groot's iconic line, I am Groot, over 1,000 times in different languages. Makes sense. I fucking love that. Makes sense. That's where the money came in, Joe. You were wondering how much Vin, or people in chat were wondering how much money Vin Diesel may have gotten paid compared to what Bradley Cooper got paid. And, like, the real question is Vin Diesel. Right. That's where he's like, no, 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 don't let them do the, the other languages. Let me do the other languages. <laughs> because they're like, Vin, we only need you for about 15, 20 minutes, and we'll pay you like a grand. And he's like, what if I was here all month? <laughs> that's my. That's, that's always a question I have for voice actors. It's like, how long did Bradley Cooper actually work on this film versus like Vin Diesel? I think that's just so fascinating because everyone else had to shoot for the normal like shoot schedule, which is weeks, presumably. Could, did Bradley Cooper, Pooper, knock this out? Pooper? Pooper? <laughs> did Bradley Cooper knock this out in like six hours? Who knows? I don't know, man. Uh, but sticking with the Vin facts here, the facts of the furious, as we like to call them. Uh, according to Vin Diesel, his performances group helped him through a dark time in his life. He was dealing with the loss of his best friend and Fast and Furious co-star, co Paul Walker. Oh, RIP, Paul Walker. Here's a quote from him. It was the first time I came back to dealing with human beings after dealing with death. So playing a character who celebrates life in the way Groot does was very nice. Aww. I love that. Surprisingly um, heartfelt. Yeah. Vin. Um, for Paul. Um, and then the last Vin two, last two I got here for you, uh, when Vin Diesel stated, uh, started recording his lines for Groot, he was pleasantly surprised to find himself working with an old friend, Doc Kane, the same sound technician he worked with on the Iron Giant. Oh, shit. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. I love it. And then the final one, I saved the best for last. Vin Diesel recorded his lines wearing stilts so he could get a sense of how large Groot actually is. Oh, incredible. <laughs> incredible. He's the best. I fucking love Vin Diesel. <laughs> I feel like Vin Diesel, similar to whoever plays Logan or Kendall Roy, would also use dramaturgically to oh describe his my process. God. My God. And that just makes me really happy. You gotta love it. All right, now we're getting into our. Thoughts. I thought you were gonna say he lived in a uh, in a treehouse for four months to prepare for the role. <laughs> MT, I want to start with you. You've seen this movie more than any of us combined. What are your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One in 2020? I think that this movie was probably one of the most heartfelt Marvel movies um, to ever be made. And like, I feel like that was the biggest draw for that movie. Cause like no one has ever seen a movie like Guardians 1 up until that point. Um, because like, it's essentially just like this huge space adventure family movie about like 
finding a new family and like it's all about you know like family is the one that you choose and it's not always about blood and like i love that um like story and that like that message that uh, james gunn just crafted in that movie about all these screw-ups who meet each other and um save the save the galaxy and then later their universe i guess so well star lord sort of uh jeopardizes it but we won't talk about that uh, <laughs> for love but... man it was for love, <laughs> <laughs> for love. <laughs> but no uh, guardians one it has a special place in my heart because like it it it's one of the, those first um marvel movies that like had a truly heartfelt message because like we were getting like you know uh cap 2 which was like badass like yeah we we're we we're doing kick-ass stuff and like fighting hydra but like this was just like oh man like this is has a lot of soul than like most other um mcu movies in like phase one and phase two so i really appreciate that nick what about you um i mean watching this movie again was so fun it's very nostalgic and it really does you we you know we were joking about it earlier but harking back to those early days when the when the mcu was so much smaller and this i'll, I'll never forget this was the movie where i was like this is where they're gonna fucking lose me right Guardians of the Galaxy, how stupid is that? Who are these stupid people? <laughs> Turns out it was Eternals where they lost me. But um, <laughs> but this was a risk, right? This was one of the ones where like we're not taking characters that people really have a lot of touchstones to. Um, but and we're gonna put we're gonna put out a really cool, fun story. But I think he, you know, to MT's point, like you know, Gunn really found the heart of this. It's about it's an underdog story about a bunch of people that really don't have any other family or friends and come together. And there's a lot of great lines, very sweet lines in it. And it really is one of my favorite. It might not be one of the one of like the ranked best Marvel films in my in my life, but I think it's one of my favorites to go back and watch over and over again because that that group dynamic is so fun and so off and so plucky, and they just kind of nailed it across the board. Joey, I haven't rewatched this movie in a very long time, like probably since right before Guardians two, right around there. Um, so this is, I kind of had in my mind remembered it being a lot funnier than it was, and I don't know if it's just because the my bench line for funny MCU movies is now Thor Ragnarok that I was like, oh, this is like very, <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's like a lot, it's not as like punchy, like at every kind of step that I was expecting it to be just based off of memory. Um, but I had a really good time. It's really interesting to me, like how well this uh, cast gels together so quickly. Um, and I think that we see that even more in the second one. Cause it's like, oh yeah, like um, what's her name isn't even, uh, Palm Clementoff. I can't oh, remember. Palm Clementoff. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay. Mantis. Oh, totally forgot. She's like not, not even this. in this movie, yeah. but that they can build <laughs> all of these like character rapport so quickly and so earnestly. And honestly, it's really fun. And then we just, I mean, it's the Joey movie. I heard the voice and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I forgot that Lee Pace is in this movie. Lee Pace. Just chewing up scenery. I know. Just enjoying his life. Just the great. Joe is the number one Ronin fan. <laughs> maybe, maybe the only Ronin fan. No, it's true, though, because like, when you think of it, too, like Drax is a totally different character he is in this. Yeah. They, they really found his humor in, in two and let Batista kind of go wild yeah. with that. In this one, he's a very serious and kind of tragic character, and they play, and all of them are. And then I think you get you see the difference between this movie, which is like a Thor Dark World, well, better than Thor Dark World, but like that kind of vibe of like we're trying to go for something serious versus Ragnarok. We're like, oh, no, we know what these characters are. We know who Bat Batista is. He's going to be the guy that's going to be standing there. And they're like, how long have you been standing there for? He's like, I've mastered the art of setting so you can't see me. It's like, no, we can still see you. One hour. Like that, we, we love about him. Yeah. So I'm really excited for next week. I don't know if I'm on this next week or but I'm going to watch it before Guardians 3 comes out because I I love, love Guardians 2. So I'm excited to see on upon rewatch if I still feel the same way watching him like sequentially. Joey, I'm going to make the executive decision right now. Tim's going to pick if you're on next week. Mm. 
I mean, I, I you're going to be on. I'm 99% sure you're going to be on. Yeah. Uh, Andy Cortez, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like one of the better balanced movies. Um, just like I, this is like the James, this in part two of Guardians are the James Gunn that I really, really, really love, and the ones that I kind of miss when we did our Peacemaker review. I'm like, ah, oh, I just I wish he'd rein in some of the humor back because I feel like it was so perfectly executed when it needed to be, to be executed, and yeah. it wasn't really overdone in any moment. Um, and I mean, Lord knows I love, I mean, Thor Ragnarok's probably my favorite. I love the funny uh, sort of uh, Marvel movies, but I think this one's just like insanely efficient. This is like, this movie shot 12 of 16 for 38 points, Nick. Like this movie is just like Couldn't perfectly on there. Or like that. <laughs> um, it's so well paced. It's so Lee paced. Ah, you hey! fucking guy. Ah, nice. <laughs> Fuck you fucking guy. Um, no, I, I don't know, man. I just like, it has so much heart. I don't think that I don't know if there's a movie in the MCU that like when you try to wipe your memory from it and watch it for the first time, a movie that so perfectly captures all of its different tones in the first 15 minutes of the movie. It's heartbreaking right. and emotional at the beginning and then what's it going to be? It's pulp action comedy and suddenly we're flying back and he's in the Milano and he's looking he's like I I've got to be honest, I didn't know you were here. It's like God damn, dude. Like they I always like thinking about um the the lessons that Pixar writers have where they say we like to start our movies showing our heroes or our main characters doing what they do best in the first five minutes or ten minutes of the movie. And like obviously we see his mom die, so I don't think that's what Star Lord does best, but like just the whole action part of it, <laughs> action adventure part of it, and it's like Line of dialogue, good uh, Jaiman Hansu coming in and bringing the drama, and then it's more action, and then it's more comedy, and I just feel like it's like expertly crafted in a lab of like this is the maybe the perfect intro I think for a Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, dude, I I can't believe how high I am on this after the rewatch. I've always loved Guardians. I'm with you, um, but there's something about I haven't rewatched this one in in years at this point. And uh, when we did our initial in-review leading into Infinity War, when we first debuted uh, MCU in-review, or kind of funny in-review in general, um, I remember when having first seen Guardians 2, walking out of the theater and being like, I liked that, but like, it's nothing that special, whatever. <laughs> and then in the rewatch, I was like, yo, 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 I was wrong. Guardians 2 is really fucking special, <laughs> and it's better than the first one, and we were all crazy for thinking otherwise, and I felt like I got so defensive of how good 2 is, and like, because so many people talk shit about it, that I forgot that 1 is actually so goddamn good, and watching this, I am so excited for next week, because I'm like, there is no way that I think 2 is better than what I just watched, but I hope that it is, and I hope that this just continues, because... <laughs> I think that Guardians 1, after this rewatch, in modern times of knowing what we know about where the MCU goes, where James Gunn goes, this is as close you get to just a perfect film. It just fucking works. I think this is a classic movie outside of the MCU, yep. outside of Marvel, outside of superheroes. This is up there with just the all-timers of, dang, they did the fucking thing. Yeah. And I think that any way you look at what I care about, about MCU movies, whether it's characters, whether it's the acting, the comedy, the story, the lore, connecting to other movies, the moving things forward, creating new visual identities, this movie does all of it. 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. So fun, so creative with we, me and you always talk about the fight choreography of how cool are they using their skills and weapons mm -hmm. in battle. 
the gravity prison break, all of that, like any chance they had to go like, should we do something cool? They answered yes. And then they also made it heartfelt and they also made it funny. And they did it all simultaneously around characters that none of us give a fuck about. Yeah. Now we will <laughs> die for. I don't know how they fucking did it. Like this movie is magic. Yeah, you, I couldn't have said it better, man. That, that that's a that's a perfect way of putting it. Like the, I, the the scene that I love the most that I totally forgot about was when they play like a hot potato with the orb right at the beginning <laughs> when they're all meeting each other and you're seeing how they're all fighting. I was all like, right. this is magic. This is such a great scene right here. Um, and, and it's cool because the movie kind of stands. It has to stand on its own two feet. A lot of the movies now, of course, are so baked into the lore of what we're of what we know and and are standing on the shoulders of the Guardians of the Galaxy ones that you forgot that this. If you were to pull this out, this is just a fun ass movie. If Avengers had never happened, I would still be like, Guardians is still a good movie. Dude, and, and on top of that, with the MCU stuff, this is the movie that really introduced Thanos. It starts it up. This yeah. is the movie that really introduced yeah. the Infinity Stones, that we first see a Celestial that we won't really see until Eternals. Like, yeah. holy crap, this movie went there. Ronin, who's later in Captain Marvel. Like, this movie works so well by itself, but it also connects better than the majority of these movies. <laughs> and, and I, and I yeah. think that this is, it's such a huge testament to James Gunn and his writing team because this movie, I think, breathes new life into, I mean, again, it was, only, it was 10 movies in and we're getting a lot of Captain Americas and a lot of known quantities, right? But this is the movie that said, like, like Nick was mentioning earlier and like you just mentioned, we don't know who these people are. Why should any of us care about it? And it gave us even more trust in Feige and the, and the team of being like, no, we should care about all the other shit we don't know. Yes. Like, this is the movie that made us kind of believe in the vision and say like, all right, I knew I was going to enjoy myself watching Chris Evans's cap and watching Thor and all the Avengers squad. But this is the one that kind of said, all right, what else you got? I'll because I'll fucking take it all at this point. You I know? didn't believe in the vision until right. Civil War. Ah, fucking <laughs> God. God damn it. It's a Friday, Nick. We're you got to enjoy it. If you want more set, great singers like great Lee Pace for the rest of us. <laughs> I'm going to need you at patreon.com slash kind of funny to support us. Uh, but for everybody else, you're going to have to hear some ads. And here they are. Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use. Or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to $200. That's right, you, you, you out there. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money has saved some of us here kind of funny, a ton of money and it can help you too. Stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket Money money.com slash kind of funny that's rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny r-o-c-k-e-t-m-o-n-e-y.com slash kind of funny and now that we're back let's get to the plot we've been practicing this for wait, quite wait, a while wait, wait, wait. i hope okay. i hope it goes well nick you got the lyrics wait, hold on, let me pull the lyrics out let me pull the lyrics because yeah, right. i was like i think i know him but i don't want to mess with it okay okay here we, here we go oh shit hold on it's already we're already fucked yeah, we're already fucked though oh shit oh fuck hold on Hold on. hold on, guys. Hold Put on. it in the thing. Maybe the battery. Joey Van. No, battery's back. battery's back. Okay, here, yeah. we, here we go. If you like beer in the bar, 
Nick's got something to say. I fucked up a note. God damn it. That was good, though. You know what? That's our version of it, Andy. That's our Run version it of it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's the plot for Guardians of the Galaxy Earth. Night. When you said that, pull up the lyrics, I was expecting way more lyrics than like two lines. <laughs> two lines, Joe. <laughs> you couldn't remember, but. <laughs> long day, Joe. It's just long two lines. Day, Joe. Okay. Okay. Long it's been, day, it's Joe. been a long year, Joe. <laughs> long year. Earth 1988. Let me tell you guys. Right here. MT probably knows, but let me tell you guys because you don't remember. Tell that. me. Great year for movies. Great year for movies, 1998. We're talking Beetlejuice, Heathers, Twins, Akira, Roger Rabbit. Die Hard, Joey. Oh, shit. Was it? Bam. Joey came out in 1988. It was. I was around for a whole six days. <laughs> what, a hell of a, what a hell of a year to be born, Joey. Yeah, uh, we see too. Pete, of course, sitting in the waiting room listening yeah, yeah. to his ox, awesome mixtape number one while his mother, of course, is unfortunately dying in the next room of cancer. Uh, Pete's grandfather comes to bring him in. Uh, he's been fighting with the other kids. Uh, she notices a black eye because they smashed a bug or something and he wanted to protect the little thing and they, he couldn't do it. Uh, and then his mom's like, I got a little gift for you. She gives it to him with a note, but he doesn't open it uh, because, unfortunately, uh, she starts passing. Uh, and she says, listen, Peter, you can take my hand, take my hand, Peter, take my hand. And Peter just won't. And then she passes away, but not before saying, of course, the main through line for all, all Marvel movies. Peter. Oh, God. Oh, God. Fuck, you're right. She does. She does say Peter. that. MT infamously, uh, Nick got very hung up on uh, Uncle Ben dying in the Sam Raimi Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And, and that's just, that's not how he sounds <laughs> at all. Though. You have when you do you that. Have his lips were so wet. Why is the hair <laughs> <hung> so wet? <laughs> he didn't look like a dead possum on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, scene, though, dang right, like I hit kind of immediately. It, it hits you hard, and then on some dumb lore stuff in the future, they obviously didn't know this then, or maybe they did because it's James Gunn. Uh, but like him, the bug story. It's like we now know it was from a the frog. holiday special. Oh, okay, okay. You know, then I'm wrong. Then I'm wrong. Forget it. Everything oh. about to say is just off. That's on me. That's on no, me. I thought it was. But no, I did want to bring up something about that little beginning Guardians too, because like he does uh, defend a frog, um, who, which is a green frog. But later on, I feel like that's that's foreshadowing for Infinity War when he defends Gamora after Thanos kills her. Because Gamora's greed like a frog. And it's like, yo, you freaking <laughs> killed That's my Easter girl, egg. girlfriend. And then he punches Thanos, much like he punched those bullies. There we so go. that's exactly. just within Peter's personality to like defend um, people being bullied or like victims. And immediately then you're just already emotional. Like right. just him yelling out and like all the, the drama and, and emotions in that room. It's like, God damn, they are already, they're already bringing the heat. Right. I don't even know who the fuck this kid is, you know? Um, right. It's like up. It's yeah, like exactly. Up. <laughs> exactly. I do need people. I, I had a weird observation, Tim, and I need you to do this because you have okay. the keen eye like I do. Okay, Nick, his eyes was, are about that, 80 years old. Uh -huh. Was it that she was laying exactly like Uncle Ben? No, no. She was like, it wasn't an Uncle Ben thing. <laughs> Stop! Stop moving your mouth and tongue like that. Yeah. Um, what it what it was though? I need I need I need everybody to look back at it. And in those moments where she's kind of like repeating and she's talking to uh, Peter, uh, Peter, um, her mouth, the inside of her mouth looks CG. There's something weird about this. It's just a weird thing I've got going on in my brain. I'm sure, but like just watch it and let me know. Does it look like a? Does that mouth look weird? I, I did not notice the weird mouth. That's a new segment we'll bring uh, onto the yeah. show. The Does that mouth look weird? <laughs> And is it a weird <laughs> mouth? I don't I mean, know. I'm sure weird mouth. The scarf. You don't know, man. You're crazy. <laughs> you crazy. It looked weird. Yeah, it was not anything that like brought me out of the movie. It's like all. the inside of her mouth didn't look dark no, the way it should have been. But it may have been because like a light was hitting it. So it's like, why is it light in there? Well, the you know, in video games, when a character mm -hmm. opens her mouth, and you're like, 
There should be shot on there, but you don't have enough ambient occlusion. Like, you <laughs> it's know. all about the ambient occlusion, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, the fact here fog, you know? that I do have to drop is, of course, that uh, Quill's mother is played by uh, Laura, Laura Haddock, who was also in Captain America, the first Avenger, as a fan wanting his autograph. And there's been theories for a while that that was the, the same oh, character. Yeah. But James Gunn's like, it's not the same character. But could have been cool. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah. People Nick's got copy. something to say. I just wanted to nail that. Like, if we, Kevin, if we could edit that in after the fact, let me know. Perfect. Absolutely impossible. Uh, <laughs> of course. That's impossible, right? That's damn, unfortunately, impossible. Cool Greg is, is talking. He speaks for me. Uh, it, of course, Peter is like over, over run with guilt. He runs outside before his grandfather can stop him, and he is picked up by a Ravenger ship. 26 years later. And this is what you're talking about here, right? Now we get to see the character. We get to see the character of Peter Quill, older, in his environment, doing what he does. And I, at this point, this might be the scene that sells me on the movie. This might be the thing where I go, a tone setter, man. I was like, oh, all right, yeah. James Gunn, you, you have my attention. Because it's when he puts the tape in the Walkman, right? And then he starts singing to himself. And he grabs the little lizard and starts using it as a <laughs> microphone. I'm like, okay. We get this. But this also, guy's an idiot. It's the logo. It's a title hit. The whole I, I love yep. a good logo popping yeah. up on the screen. I love good like font and typography. But also shout out to like actual sets that he was walking around here. Like not all right. of it was a set, obviously, but it just it looked him lived the in the water. It's like I can remember so many specific motions of him going yeah. through because of the practicality of it. It looked it looked real. It looked like lived in, and it wasn't just CGI bullshit all around him. So I really really enjoyed. A lot of the practical sets in this movie, because it's like you you need that some of the time, you know. <laughs> right. No, you do. It it, it it sells it. Empty. Like he even dances with the skeleton at one point, which is one of my favorite parts of that uh, sequence. So anyway, it's Incredible. great. <laughs> and a couple quick things here. Like uh, one thing I noticed was the uh, seeing the old Marvel intro. Like it, it's not the Marvel Studios oh intro. God, yeah. We don't get the theme. We don't get the whole. It's the old comic book flippy one. I'm That's like, right. Dang, like we were this far in and it still wasn't what we think of. I missed like, that one. I missed like, that intro. The olden days. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, a fact here is the uh, the opening cave scene was originally written around Blue Swede's uh, Hooked on a Feeling. But James Gunn felt mm. Redbone's Come and Get Your Love worked far better. Pretty good. Yeah. They was right. It worked so well. I'm not crazy. They use Hook and a Feeling later yeah, in the movie. They right? yeah, that's, yeah, when they're, yeah. that's when they're getting booked into the, yeah. the prison, right? Fantastic. Again, another thing that sets the tone perfectly for this, right? You walk in, you go, okay, it's 80s. Obviously, I have a touchstone for that because I remember a large portion of it the entire decade. You were 40 years old. Fair. Um, but the use <laughs> of the song here as both diegetic and also just like kind of existing outside of the actual world is so well done. And it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And, I mean, and we're like, we're going to get a banger of a soundtrack. Not only that, you're talking about the diegeticness of it all. We then get a joke about that in later game. Yeah. Right? He's thinking to himself, like, when we get, we get <laughs> War Machine like, watching like this fucking idiot. He's an idiot. You just hear him listening. Like, <laughs> so wow, good. that was incredible. What a great man. moment. Uh, anyway, Peter breaks in. We see that he's a thief of some sort and he steals this magical uh, silver MacGuffin, otherwise known as the Orb for now. Uh, Korath. Uh, comes with his crew and tries to steal it back, but Pete, of course, outsmarts them and a- ends up getting away. Uh, but they have no. And this is the first time we get the joke, the setup for the great, the great joke, which I thought was just going to be a dumb joke that goes all the way through. But man, the payoff of this joke is fantastic. He's like, "You might know me by another name." And he's like, "What? Star?" And it, the camera does that thing where it pushes into him as he says it. He goes, <laughs> "Star Lord." Who? Star Lord, man. Like yeah. the performance oh, of man. the who. Yeah, it's just right. so it's good. So, it's such a gut punch. Like, yeah. get over yourself, bro. 
Um, of course, this uh, you get a little action sequence here where he goes over to his ship, the Milano, and escapes, and it's a cool sequence. Um, and right as it ends, we get that next little beat of uh, of comedy that Andy was talking about, where Morit pops up. And he's like, oh, shit, I, I forgot you were there. <laughs> and I love that she's wearing, like, one of his old T-shirts that's, like, too, way too small. And also doesn't remember her kid. name. Like, yeah. yes. It's, oh, hey. You, ah, fucking. <laughs> it's so good, man. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, a call comes in, uh, and it's Yondu. And before uh, Pete can tell her not to answer, she answers it. And Yondu is not happy because uh, he gets the, the suspicion that Pete is going to double-cross him. And sure enough, he is. Uh, uh, of course, he lays it on thick like an old mom would. Like, I saved you when I picked you up from Tara. Everyone wanted to eat you. And how dare you? I saved you. I had a C-section for you. Exactly. You know? I was at 13 hours of labor for you. Your brother was easy. Your brother was easy. Sleepless nights. Oh, my God. All that stuff. Um, She'll always go, the scar's still here. Look, look at the scar. My mom always tells me. Uh, and then, of course, we, we head over to uh, the Dark Aster, which I forgot the name of that ship. But it's and also, shit. just... Great, like, uh, great font treatments whenever they're showing the locations. And it's always, like, it's always, like, yeah, great, like, kind of, like, typography display, like, motion graphic shit. But I love that it's always a color of the environment. So, yeah. like, the dark aster is kind of, like, the light purple of the cloud. It's just good shit, man. It's, it, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, of like, course, we've said this a million times throughout in MC Interview, but, like, this movie defined the look of space. Yeah, like this oh, is the moment the space got colorful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and it, it kind of well, it kind of redefined it for me because the idea of like, well, obviously in the in the MCU, this is the first time we've really seen this much of it. But to me, this is one of those interesting things. Where you're like, this is like, I mean, it's a space action film starring a Han Solo like character. It is like a Star Wars film, like what a Star Wars film yeah. could have been in an yeah. alternate universe where you know it wasn't so kind of heavily focused in the Skywalker. You got this movie. scoundrel, and it, um, more importantly, kind of got my hopes up. To then those hopes to later be dashed, Tim, because space doesn't look like that. Like, no, it's just whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever they show photos of like, oh, here's the fucking the moose knuckle. No, not that. No, when they when they show the star systems out there, where it's like, this is the hand of God or whatever. This is the star studying stars more. Whenever, whenever they show those stars, it's like they only look like that if you have infrared. That broke my heart when I learned that fact. Oh, oh you mean all the nebula and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever hear science, that? Science, science, science with Kef. Yeah, you're actually, right. fun fact: the hand no. of God is actually in Guardians One. Wow, um, like, really? It's, it's really quick in like one of those shots where like it's a transition shot, but like the Milano, the Milano like flies into the hand of God like very, very briefly. Um, but yeah. It doesn't look like that, Tim. You need thermal vision to see all that. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking cool. Do you ever, um, do you guys ever see that quote the, the by Shatner after Bezos flew him to space? And they were like, they were like, what was, was your experience so there? He was so depressed. Oh, yeah. He was like, it was the most depressing oh, yeah, thing I've ever. That. He's like, I came back like unbelievably in like a dark place. And they were like, why? He goes, because I find, like, I've spent my life like gallivanting around this quote unquote universe. Then when I got out there, it was just nothingness. And he goes, and I felt myself like yeah. this incredible yearning to be back on earth and to be like back on land. And I was like, damn. Yeah. That was yeah, after that's, I read that quote, I was dumb. like, that sort of confirmed my suspicions of like, everyone's like, yeah, I can't wait. I would love to go on a spaceship one never. day. I would never, never. ever <laughs> want to be on a spaceship. Yeah. Be, like coasting in the void? Absolutely not. I will have an existential crisis Dude. and then cry myself to death. I have existential crisis in my, my room. Sheet. I'm watching yeah, The exactly. Office at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, over on the Dark Asters, it was a Decree warship. Uh, we meet our big bad guy, Lee Pace, or Ronan, the abductor. accuser. Accuser. Abductor, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's waging a war. Say? Abductor. <laughs> Ronan the abductor, yeah. But yeah, not yeah. abductor, abductor. Like, abductor. you know, like you, uh, the muscle yes. group. 
Uh, he's waging a war against Xandar because of it's all the all these old politics, yada yada yada, and he wants to smash people with big hammers. Man, this shit's fucking brutal looking. Hold on, let's um, stop here real quick. Uh-huh. MT, we have you, so I can I can just ask you here. This hammer, yes, is this the hammer yes. that we see in the Marvels trailer? I think that they're the same type of hammer, but like I think it's probably a different like hammer. I think that that's her hammer specifically because all the accusers all carry hammers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So I think they just all that was a, ref- a refurbished hammer. model, Tim. He gotcha. got it. Yeah, gotcha, yeah, I mean, yeah, this yeah. one like went to pieces, but I guess they, they could pull back anything that goes to pieces. Yeah, GameStop so. refurbished. Yeah. Uh, of course, how Ronan... exciting it is it that we got Lee Pace in the MCU, but so early and not used for nearly long enough. I love Lee Pace. I, I, there's two people in here that I, that I, I, I always confuse for each other, uh-huh. and I like them both. It's Lee Pace and Peter Serafinowicz, uh, who was the other guy that played the mm. he played the Tick in the Amazon series. He's the British guy who's like he's an a hole. Oh, more, yeah, more, yeah. more importantly, he what plays fucking patches in the Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Does Elden he? Ring games. Yes, wow, he's oh. he's got a great yeah. he's got that oh, great proper like British voice. Yeah, he's great. And I love him, of course, from the movie Spy, where he played either a British spy or a really sleazy Italian spy. We don't know which one he was. Chris, really Chris Anka yeah. says, yes, it's the Hammer of the Accusers, which is a rank of the Kree. Yes. Now, now, my question is this. Can I, like, if I put strength points toward that, is that going to help me? or is this You need dexterity. You need okay, dexterity, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's an Elden Ring. Yeah. Elden Ring Damn, you're joke. Not gonna I get it. You're not going to get it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Ronan doesn't know anything about specking points or anything. <laughs> uh, Ronan promised to Thanos he would retrieve the ore for him so he can destroy it. And then it, once he does, Thanos has promised he will destroy Xandar. He sends Gamora to intersect, uh, uh, intercept Pete at the meeting place, which is uh, with a broker on the uh, surface of Xandar. Uh, Rocket and Groot are there too. We get our first sort of glimpse at Xandar here, which is like kind of an idyllic. No, uh, I'm wrong. Society. That's not the voice of Patches. Sorry, I gotta. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, like fun fact about this scene of um, Rocket and Groot like scanning all the people. This is the first time we see Scroll, uh, the Scroll language in the MCU. I think like oh, cool. in that weird um, overlay, you see some Scroll um, uh, as he as he's like, oh like, cool, but not using the binoculars on him. Interesting. I, I like that. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't spot that because I was too busy watching Rocket just make fun of a child because yep. the child couldn't stand it though. <laughs> well, also called Stanley a pervert. Yeah, he calls <laughs> Stanley a pervert. Call him a pervert, which is great. Uh, Pete meets up with the broker, um, and he's like, "Who you? Who'd you? Who'd you get chased by again?" He goes, "Oh, this is some guy Ronan." And the broker's like, "Uh, I don't want anything to do with this guy. You're done. Whatever." Backs out of his deal. Of course, Gamora is there <laughs> waiting for him, all seductively because she knows Pete is. Um, a dude. Uh, and then, of course, takes advantage of him, <laughs> kicks his ass to steal the orb. And this is where we get the first of really the team coming together and that dynamic. And you see it. What I love about this is you see the dynamic physically first as they're making all these quips together. And, of course, mm-hmm. that's going to be mirrored later as they sort of start mm-hmm. to come together, argue, and then eventually decide that they're like each other's best friends. Um, this scene is great. I, I, I forgot all about it. I had no, I forgot it was coming. And then you get to the part where, where uh, uh, Rocket's like, this is going to hurt, and just lobs an energy ball at Pete. And you just see him get hit in the distance. We don't even catch up with him. We just yeah. say, ah! It's great comedy. Yeah, great. great physical comedy. Great blocking. 10 out of 10. For the, the scene is so great because it follows all the rules that we talk about of looking for what a good action sequence should be. Again, introducing characters, giving them unique characteristics that we can follow and we can identify the action of what's going on. We often talk about how we see, we watch a lot of action movies, and when you're in broad daylight, you kind of don't have anywhere to hide. Yeah. Like, you, we need, to, unless you're like doing the shaky cam, like whatever. This just is a fun blocking of showing the action of how everything's going. You see it clearly. And it's like, 
I love that James Gunn had the confidence to just be like, yeah, we're going to have a pretty like just normal open city area, but like we're going to make it work for the, for all these characters and for all their unique action identities that they have that like we learn about them through their fighting styles, which is just such mm -hmm. a, a cool thing. And I mean, we all we're superhero fans like that stuff's cool to us. So I just love that this was the first introduction to Gamora, Rocket and um, Groot all together where it's like, oh, I immediately understand dynamics here. Uh, of course, it ends with all of them getting arrested by the Nova Corps, which is headed up by John C. Riley. And I'm like, all right, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, James Gunn. I forgot, man. I yeah. was in, but now I love this movie. And John C. Riley just messing with Star-Lord, or Star-Prince, as he calls him, just to have a good time. And good with that him. voice that he has. Like, yeah. anyone calling him Star-Prince is funny. John C. Riley calling him yeah. Star Prince is perfect. Just the best. Uh, and then we're introduced to another person I totally forgot was in this. And I can't, I, at the time, I was like, how did they get Glenn Close Ow. to be Nova Prime? Shocking. And she's great in this because uh, she's a great actor. Uh, of course, she wants the Kree. She's, she's on a phone call with the Kree or a Zoom call with the Kree Emperor, mm -hmm. Empire. Uh, and they're like, we don't want anything to do with this guy, Ronan. We're, we're going to disavow all the stuff. Uh, we get a nice little backstory here about the team as they're getting booked in. Uh, John C. Riley is like, this is so-and-so. This is Groot. This is Rocket. Uh, this is Gamora. And, this and then is we one get... of my underrated like favorite things and usually heist movies when they're yeah. like, they go through the roles of everybody on the team. Oh, and you're yeah. like, hell yeah, this is about to pop off. Yeah, like this guy, like Rocket, <laughs> of course, is like the weapon specialist and he can make anything and then Groot's the heavy. And then what would be yours, I'd be the I'd be the guy that just brings levity okay. you know, and pizza. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Mm. Levity and pizza guy. Uh, and then, of course, we get the uh, great scene here. I, you know, look, Chris Pratt, I love him as Peter Quill. And nothing's more funny to me than the dumb physical comedy of him doing this. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't know he did that. I didn't know he did that. The they even let him do that was hilarious. But yeah, dude. It's fun. It's a dumb goof. Some Chris Pratt stuff here I got for you is uh, Chris Pratt apparently stole his Star-Lord costume from the set for the sole purpose of having it available so he could show up in costume to visit sick children in the hospital who might want to meet Star-Lord. So fuck yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I, had a, uh, I have a follow-up question. Uh, Peace for uh, yeah. that. No kids wanted. It. <laughs> they wanted Captain America. <laughs> uh, and then also, James Gunn stated that Chris Pratt's audition was so good, he was prepared to offer him the role, even if Pratt did not lose weight or get in shape in time. Gunn joked that he was willing to do willing to CGI a six-pack on Pratt's body. Yeah. However, Pratt asked Gunn to give him six months to lose 50 pounds. He ended up losing 60. Jesus. The Prattification, so, we call it. Bro. <laughs> I have, is this the first time that yeah. we see, like, the beginning of actors, like, getting jacked the yes. fuck out from Marvel movies? I Because so, I don't remember yeah. Chris Evans having as much of, like, a hub well, around him. No, I mean, but Chris Evans was always jacked. That's the thing. Because he had done Johnny Storm. Oh, he had right. done a bunch of other. And he was he was had a good figure, even in, like, not another team movie and all the movies that he had done before. But he wasn't as big as he was. No, time, no. He got... But it wasn't like such a drastic. No, because and then remember also because the last that we'd seen like RDJ, but he wasn't really like Art. I'm not taking my shirt off. He was fit, but wasn't like jacked out yeah. of his gourd. For I mean, I thought. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is pretty jacked out of his mind. That's but true, but again, we only knew him as Jack. Oh, never known. Yeah, this this and uh, Kumail, I think, are the two examples. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't forget, right. Chris Pratt was on um, Parks, Parks and Rec, Rec, and he was he played right. kind of a like. Well, a that's loaf. that's why the end of the Parks and Rec seasons are very off putting because he's got really dyed light brown hair and he's insanely jacked it's like Wait, it's, andy dwyer's like no longer a chubby schlub like what's going on here like they, I, I love the way they explain it in the show they're like oh yeah i just stopped drinking well he, he i believe his character goes to london actually to work for peter 
Seraphin. Oh yeah, that's really. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and and he's just like, I just stopped drinking beer, and it's just like, yeah, that's enough. That's so funny. Enough. It's crazy. You guys remember that time? Some like Mike stopped drinking chai tea lattes and then crashed around noon. Oh my god. <laughs> and he crashed hard. You guys can see it on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games. And speaking of which, like, or not speaking, of, I'm talking about the body. Like, can we just talk about the body, Kevin? Hit it. That, I... Hit it for us, Kevin. Were they born, born in labs? Now it's time to rank those labs. Hey. Welcome back. Just talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to rank those labs, everybody. Yeah, let's talk about this for a second. He looks fantastic. Um, I don't. I think I we have, we've heard Marvel actors be like, look, this is fucking hard. And obviously we've seen Chris Pratt himself kind of not go as hard for volume two and then volume three i think he's probably as kind of in shape as he was maybe a little bit more than volume two but in this one he looks perfect i mean he looks so fucking good the mass I mean, dude when his first like, shot like him he's jacked the scene him. we're in right now the, like the delousing yeah. scene with like the red laser stuff like that you was like what? the first image this movie ever released i'm pretty sure yeah. yeah and like i remember this was back when we were at ign like we did like full breakdown videos of yeah. this one image yeah and it was just like <laughs> there's no way this is real like people I mean, were convinced it was cg because yeah. it was like this is a dude from parks and rec like Damn. not a fucking chance man it's it, i mean he just looks great it I may mean, be the like, hardest worked for mcu body like what i don't know kumail, about, i don't know kumail's probably harder kumail was like not in shape at all when he was doing at least Chris but Pratt I think Kumail Pratt, was always though? a smaller frame, though. That's true. He was always like he I wasn't mean, like yeah, he I, I was would, skinny. I would disagree. I would say Ultron um, and Vision <laughs> um, hardest work for a body. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. totally right. <laughs> a lot of people suck at that. Because here's the thing, MT. Whenever we do our rank those ab segments, we always like dock points from Tom Holland because it's like he's, he's a little skinny. he's a little skinny dude. Yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot to yeah. like to show the abs. With Chris Pratt, it took a while to get those abs rocking, and right. this dude is like—it's not fair with Tom Holland because he was bit by a radioactive spider. That's so true. That's yeah. just an advantage. Chris Pratt, you know, <laughs> quasi good yeah. sitcom. Uh, all right, so we get, of course they're getting booked in, and this is when the, all the characters start getting a chance to know each other. I mean, Maybe he I'm looks wrong. Funny. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, uh, it's so wild. Is yeah. he even shirtless though in his movie? You know. Uh, I would be. I would be like, you if oh, is Kumail even? Are you you see a lot of like arms for him. I sure, feel like, but I'm but... saying is he shirtless? Because like, let's not joke around. That scene where he's getting deloused or whatever yeah. it is, it's and it's just it's, it's powerful. It's an awakening. Gr- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the scene just grunting. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it. yeah, yeah, it's good. He's a very good. <laughs> Someone call guy. it like a sexual awakening. Yeah, I would call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they're getting to know each other. We this is the first time we start really getting understanding that all Groot says is "I am Groot." Uh, Peter, of course, very frustrated with this very quickly. But I mean, Groot and Rocket. Yeah. Immediately, you're like, uh oh. Yeah, I love you guys. Love you guys. <laughs> like, there's just nothing I love more than like buddies and like, holy shit. Like, the dynamic between them is just from the first scene, you get it. You, like, and then the more you learn, you can just fill in gaps so beautifully where I feel like. We, we meet them here, and they tell us one sentence from here, one sentence from here, one sentence from way back there, and we could perfectly fill in the gaps. Great storytelling. Great storytelling. Uh, of course, it turns out Gamora was going to try to betray Thanos for the or- and sell the orb to different parties so she can get away from it all. She Her backstory is very tragic, as is Nebula, as we all know it. Uh, but Peter flips out when someone listens to his Walkman, and we get a funny sequence uh, of him getting the shit beat out of him and everyone getting booked in and him getting deloused, too hooked on a feeling, which is great. Uh, and Pratt looks fantastic. Uh, and then we we get another shot, which again, to speak to the darkness of this movie, of just him seeing one little shot of Rocket's modifications on his back, like the genetic like implants that he's had, and it's it's very sad. It's sad. 
and wow. it, it's oh, weird that it's sad not ready because like I, I feel like this was only sad because of the direction this is the power that James Gunn has <laughs> of finding the humanity in things where that could have been shot and it been like oh look how cool this is like he's these are his battle scars whatever right. but just the way that they shoot it without I mean it's super they they focus on it but like I feel like it's it's more subtle than it could be mm -hmm. but it means so much mm. great Oh, <laughs> thanks, Kev. Thank you, Kev. <laughs> Worth it. Thanks for the smoke. subtle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, uh, they're the they're the fresh meat on the block, and everyone wants to kill them, especially Gamora, because they all know who she is. Uh, and uh, we get our first shot here as they're arguing up top of Drax, the Destroyer, that's sitting down there, played by David Bautista, who's just he's just great in this movie. David. Dave? Full name. I call him Mr. David. Oh, <laughs> Mr. David. So, I mean, uh, some would say sir, but he hasn't gotten that official. Yeah, there's yet. no knighthood yet. <laughs> but we're working on that. We're working on that right now with the king. Uh, Who are you talking to to work on that? It took the, the makeup artist to... five hours daily to do makeup and apply 18 prosthetic tattoo pieces onto Batista. Chris Pratt revealed Damn. that during that process, Batista stood the entire time with hands holding onto rails, which had tennis balls on them with no complaints whatsoever. Eventually, the process was narrowed down to an average of three hours, while 90 minutes were required to remove the makeup. Yeah. Jeez, that's a lot. That is a lot. Again, you know what I really like in this scene? What's that? I really like... That's the dedication. small little cameo from Nathan Fillion and the way that this alien looks <laughs> and yeah. is designed. It has like a very kind of video gamey look to it. The guy that walks up, he's like, hey, who the fuck are you guys? And Groot sticks the oh, shit up his Nathan nose. Fillion? Yeah, it's a Nathan Fillion cameo. Oh. And, and I just love the design of this dude. I kind of wish we saw more aliens looking like but this. But see, my thing is this. It, it, this. This takes me out of it because everyone else is done practically in this scene. They're all just got, they've got the, the, this traditional like Star Wars makeup on where it's like, it's, or Star Trek where it's like a humanoid but he's got pointy ears or whatever. This guy's the only CG thing in here other than Groot, and so it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. I guess I just like the design of it. It yeah. kind of reminds yeah. me of like a Lilo and Stitch <laughs> sort of oh, design. Yeah, totally. Oh, you know? yeah. That looks a little bit like, uh, who's the he, like the heavy in the Green Lantern Corps? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Kilowog. Kilowog, oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of a little Kilowog there. Um, uh, the, you saying this, though, Andy, uh, and, and you saying that, actually, Nick, specifically, um, this scene, a note I, I wrote down, it's like, this looks like it was shot in the volume. Like, it does not look great. It does not look that practical. The whole prison scene... But it doesn't matter. We understand what they're trying to go for. And it's such a fun scene. It's so well choreographed. The story's so great. The acting's so fun. The music's, all of it's so good. They're like, who gives a shit that it doesn't look perfect? And I just, I just want to remind people that it's not like, oh, every movie now looks like horrible, but they used to look great. It's like, no, even some of our favorites didn't look that great, but it's okay. Now, I don't know if the modern movies can compare to what we're seeing here, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think that we could just write off the volume. It's like, oh, it's lesser than because it's shot there. It all depends on what you do with it. So I'm I'm hopeful for for a better future. And also, this movie being as old as as it is, um, I think Rocket looks phenomenal. Like I love Rocket CG. Unreal. And in this sequence, uh, where we're getting this great explanation from Rocket of how to break out of this place, uh, we get to that in a little bit, right? Because we still haven't mm -hmm. really met uh, Sir David Batista yet. Nice. But yeah. I want to just shout out Bradley Cooper's line delivery throughout all of this i think this is like some of my favorite line delivery in any mcu movie of him just saying how to break out of here well i don't know apparently some of the guys find you attractive in here they're like really and he's like, oh yeah apparently they find you attractive i don't know like this whole part like it's just so it's done so great you know and i like i think this is one that you watch back and go damn he really kind of shined in this role 
in a role that doesn't isn't just Bradley Cooper talking into a mic, dude. He's doing a voice. Right. He's playing a character. It isn't just Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. You know. Yeah, I'm so with you. And like <laughs> this is jumping ahead just a little bit, but in line with what you're saying about Bradley Cooper's Rocket, a line that I up until this point never gave the credit that it deserves is the end culmination of this prison break scene when he gets the gun and he jumps on uh, Groot and the music swells and then just stops. Camera goes up to him and he just goes. <sighs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then start shooting. Like, oh my god, chills all over my body. And like, that's not a catchphrase. That's not like, a, oh, he said Avengers Assemble. It's just like, yo, you built these characters up, and I like, I'm I excited for what's happening. Rocket here, yeah. is as excited about having this gun as I am seeing him shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we have uh, Dr uh, Drax and Gamora. Well, Gamora gets kidnapped, of course, and then Drax. Sorry, comes is this Bradley Cooper's like first like voice acting? I assume so. Gig? I'm gonna look that up, but I think I so. Because so. I think it's just so impressive. Because I feel like I'm usually the one that's like, oh, it's that person's voice, and I get taken out immediately. And this is one that I've like never really been able to find Bradley Cooper's voice right. in it. And it's right. just so impressive if this is the first time he's ever done that. Possible. Tim will tell. Only only Tim will tell. It's <laughs> uh, a Friday. That's a Friday, guys. That's what it is. Of course, uh, Drax uh, stops everyone from killing Gamora because he wants to be the one to kill her first. But she, of course, says, no, uh, I'm not with Ronan. I want to kill him, too. I am your best bet. Uh, but Peter intervenes and says, look, don't kill her. Ronan will come for her, and then you'll get your chance to kill her as well. I do want to note uh, that before Thanos, this happened. Right? Like, well, you'll be able to kill Thanos. Well, he wants to kill Ronan. Not but like she's yet. talking about Thanos, like because aren't they all like, oh, aren't you fucking Thanos? Well, they daughter? all, yeah, it's Thanos' daughter, yeah, but right, Drax okay. wants to kill her specifically because or Ronan he wants, for killing his wife because yeah, he wants daughter, to get to Ronan, yeah. right? Because Ronan's one that kills his wife. But it's only later in the movie that he says, well, actually, the real culprit's Thanos. Yeah, and goes after it. Real uh, quick, I need to to let you guys know that uh, seemingly from um, behindthevoiceactors.com, uh, Bradley Cooper did first voice act Rocket, and um, his Ooh. only voice acting credits are Rocket in every iteration of the MCU and the character Ben as a voice on a, a phone call in 10 Cloverfield Lane in 2016. Oh, wow. Oh, he plays oh. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's like boyfriend. Oh, yeah. shit. That's mm -hmm. cool. At the oh, very beginning. Cool. That's, a good movie. that's actually my favorite Bradley Cooper role. So <laughs> <laughs> um, before this scene, of course, I do want to note that um, uh, Peter was trying to sleep, but he was in the middle of uh, what was the, what was that? What's the term you use for this? Cuddle puddle. There oh, you go. <laughs> I, yep, I regret favorite. every time this comes up that I ever. You laid right that. down into that one, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, they hatch a plan. They're like, listen, we got to get out of here, and we the only way we can get out of here is with each other. So Rocket's like, I can get us out of here. I've escaped from twenty-two jails. I can do this. Here's what we need, everyone. And this scene is great because you think there's going to be a time jump here, but he's like, I need that. Uh, I need that guy. Uh, the, the battery from that little thing up there. I need that armband. I need this. I need that guy's prosthetic leg. We all understand that he goes, we got to get the battery last because once we get that, all hell's going to break. And we're see as he's saying this, Groot is just walking up out of focus in the back, reaches up, grabs the battery and everything. He goes, or we could get it first and we'll improvise, <laughs> which is exactly what the Guardians of the Galaxy are. And this, whole, this scene is fucking awesome. It's great. It's, it's the second, I guess it's really the first really kind of big action sequence that we're going to get with all these characters together, which is cool. Um, they battle their way out. They get up to the... 
the the guard tower, which is where they're trying to get to. Of course, Peter gives him the leg, and Rocket just proceeds to laugh at him. He's like, "I didn't actually need that." I just wanted to see. It was it was around this moment. So <laughs> I, I was watching thirty thousand credits. What, what was his face? What did he say? How did he look? What yeah, did he look? Was he having a rest? Legitimately, some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in any movie. <laughs> that, the, the leg business is is so fucking funny. But watching this, uh, I watched it with G and with with Cool Greg, and I just fucking loved it because Cool Greg around this moment just goes, "Dude." They really are a good team. We cut over like, to uh, go, go for ahead. it. Well, I was just going to say, um, I really like this moment um, in particular with the leg stuff, because like it sort of um, teases Rocket's story in volume three, because we learn in volume three that it, he was basically like torn apart and put back together by the high evolutionary. So like, if you're seeing all of your friends get torn apart, you're going to have some dark humor about body parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I feel like that was very much laying the groundwork for Rocket's really tragic and messed up upbringing as a little tiny baby raccoon. Yeah. And then uh, him yeah. wanting uh, Bucky's arm in Infinity War and then getting right. it in uh, uh, get, Holiday I'll, Special. I'll get yeah. that arm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll get that arm. <laughs> uh, Great lie. Ronan, of course, gets the called up by the big guy Thanos uh, because Gamora has betrayed him, it turns out. Uh, and Ronan. Oh, real quick, though, before they fully escape out of all of this, we haven't got there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry. So this uh, the cut. The scenes are intercut because I think they're yeah they gotta they gotta get the thing out first. I think I skipped ahead there, but uh, Ronan is like talking a lot of shit to Thanos, and Thanos just turns on him and he says, "The only matter I do not take seriously is you, boy." Calls him boy. Boy. Got him. Yeah. Damn, bro. He says, "Go, go Disrespect. get." He's like, "What I want you to do is go, go, go do what you promised." And of course, then we get Andy. The best line ever recorded in an MCU movie. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I've, Sounds fair. I've, Seems fair. I've always had an issue with with uh, Nebula. I'm just like the Thanks, Dad. Seems fair. Yeah. It's, it's just always kind of through. I was like, she is like so brushy. She has a nice accent. Let her use her accent. It's in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I'm always a huge Doctor Who. Fan. I'm still a, a huge uh, Doctor Who fan. Yeah. So seeing Karen go and go from Amy Pond to Nebula was very jarring. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dad. Uh, yeah. Seems fair. Uh, this is where Rocket tells everyone the plan. All hell breaks loose. Of course, they get it. Uh, uh, let's see. They head to the guard tower. Yada yada. Pete calls Drax. Uh, oh, this is this is my favorite scene. I think the whole thing. They head to the guard tower. Peter gives uh, Rocket the leg. He says, "I was just kidding about that." What, what did he look when he was running around? Pete calls Drax a walking th- thesaurus, and Drax says, "Never call me a thesaurus again." And then Rocket goes, "You can't. You can't call him things like that. They don't. His people are very literal. They don't understand metaphors. They go right over his head." And he goes, nothing goes over my head. I would catch it. I have great reflexes. <laughs> and and, that, and I was like, you know what, dude? I, this is my favorite MCU movie. Yeah, these these are all the sort of like my foundations. Are too good. These are all the foundations of the awesome sort of Drax that we get later yeah. on. The, the yeah. Drax that we all know and love. Um, but I think, honestly, probably my most underrated line is like such a quick little throwaway thing. That got me like it. I laughed so freaking hard last night when they're running out and Rocket goes, "Oh, they folded up your clothes, or they folded up your clothes. They just crumbled mine in the ball." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's great. He's like the disrespect. Yeah, he's so he's so like bothered by it. It's so great. Um, of course, as they're leaving, uh, Peter notices that well, he finds the orb, and then he notices that his Walkman is not there, and it's interesting that the Walkman's more important to him. So he's like, "You guys go get the ship. My ship's called the Milano." It's the first time I think we get the name of the ship. Comic book readers, of course, probably know that. But me not knowing anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, did he name his he ship? the cookies? After Alyssa Milano? <laughs> oh. 
I think that's what it was, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it really? He had a, yeah. Well, every I boy, every eight-year-old boy yeah. had a crush on Alyssa Milano in the 80s because she was on Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? It was fantastic. I had a huge crush on her. Um, let's see. Oh, of course, he goes over. And this is another time when we get diegetic music where the guy's listening to the, the Pina Colada song on, uh, on, the, on the Walkman. And then he kicks his ass. And then we get that wonderful shot, the actual like the hero shot of Star Lord coming around the hole of a kiln outside, flying outside as it goes. If you like making love at midnight, <laughs> yeah, he's just great. got that badass shot where his hair is like floating yeah. on the wind, and uh, he he gets on board. And again, another great Drax moment where he's like, "You are an excellent companion. Like I would be honored to go into battle with you. What did you risk your life to get?" And he gives him the Walkman, <laughs> and he's like. You're an imbecile. <laughs> uh, of course, Rocket wants, uh, and then so this is the first time the team's all together, free on the ship on the Milano. Rocket's building something crazy. He wants to put a bomb in a little box, and he's like, "Don't do that." And then uh, we get a fun line from uh, Gamora, which is like, "Quill, your ship is filthy." And he goes, "Oh, you have no idea. We had a black light. This place looked like a Jackson Pollock painting." I'm like, "Damn, that, went, that, got, that got nasty." And then, and then another great line delivery from Bradley Cooper, like. Pete, you got issues, man. <laughs> Quill, you got issues. Uh, you call him Quill. It's yeah, just such you a good Quill, you got too. issues. Uh, Ronan, of course, Ronan and uh, Nebula uh, get to the kill just a little too late. They find uh, Chris Anka in the chat with a correction says, it's not from the comics, it's just for the movie because as an 80s kid, she was his crush. Milano. Oh. Uh, Milano. Wait. Who was not it? in the comics. Just from the movie. Oh, so it's just a movie thing. Got yeah, it. That right. makes sense. Well, it makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, he's bringing up all these 80s references. Uh, Kevin Bacon, thing. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Which God? Can you believe that pays off? Can you believe we got Shut Kevin Bacon know, right? as Kevin <laughs> so Bacon? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> is so this weird and awesome? Yeah, this is the movie where she's like, "We're just like Kevin Bacon." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, Ronan orders the kiln cleansed. Uh, meanwhile, Yondu interrogates the broker over on uh, Xandar ab- about his tchotchkes at first with the and great eyebrows. You think again? Another fun little subtlety. You're talking Peacemaker, where he goes way over and lets everyone do whatever they want. This scene is so fucking hilarious because there's even a payoff to it he's looking at the little tchotchkes and he's like i like to put them all on my little, <laughs> my little dashboard well on my ship so i can look at them all fly around and you're like oh he's fucking with this guy he's just like, intimidated because that's like a crazy thing you'd say to someone before you're about to intimidate him <laughs> and then later he's like oh he likes these things that's the real thing that he does <laughs> he likes having <laughs> these trotsky things like come back in volume two uh, and in the whole hit. special and all of it it's yeah. just man james gunn they, he knows uh, how to build a universe uh we get introduced to his arrow and that's the his intimidation what were you saying mt oh, oh i was just gonna say i think they bury him with one of those little uh doohickeys that he got from the um broker yeah, yeah that's um, right they put like a one on his grave before oh. they burn him Nice. Um, me, of course. Then we go over to. Uh, oh, I think this is where we go to nowhere. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, this, okay. So we yeah, meet the, the, the collector, and he We're is a dick, man. He has, he's got Karina, and she's like, I, she's a slave to to him, and it is not good. This she's is one of the slave. scenes that I I don't love, only because of just. I feel like it didn't test well with audiences, and they feel like they had to be even on the even more on the nose with it of of the collector being like. Karina, don't like, oh, remember the last thing that happened. And that's all you need to say. I don't need the camera to turn and have a girl behind him like, ooh, like trapped in a sense. It's so awkward. Yeah. And like, if it was played for humor, it would work. But it it do, it wasn't played for humor. It was just like, hey, you know what happens to the last girl who didn't fucking follow rules or whatever when he's telling her to clean more? It's right there. <laughs> yeah, the fact that she's back there, it's, just, it's sort of an awkward scene. Like, uh, you could be menacing and just say that, and I would understand you're a bad dude, you know? I do want to give a shout-out to this actress that played uh, Karina, because she is the lead in the Showtime show Minx. 
with Dave oh. Johnson. Oh. She's very, very good in that. If you guys have, I think that the show got canceled and picked up by stars. If you have stars, you should watch it. it. It's very, I, very good. It's on my little carousel right now. Very good. I'm, I'm with Eddie that like there's parts of the scene that like are a little off quality wise, but I, I love the collector's kind of museum. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, at Disneyland, Tower of Let Terror. Let me do it, Tim. Go for it. No, oh, no. Oh. Let me. D- <clears throat> I want to rank all of these attractions for these movies so badly because this one is so good at Disneyland. Guardians, uh, what is it? Escape? Breakout. Breakout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I, I freaking love it too. They took uh, Tower of Terror and they refurbished it to be a, a Guardians ride, and the entire line, the queue, mm. as you're getting there, is this museum. So like you're you're going through the collector's collection, uh, and it's just it's so freaking awesome. It's, like, it's such an coolest. experience. Uh, another cool. great uh, sort of portrayal of the collector's rendition in the video game yeah in the gardens of the galaxy video game the the collector's area where you're seeing all the like the random artifacts and little easter eggs that part is really cool yeah game. mt i know you're uh really into to games as well uh, have you played the guardians game not yet i've been sort of just waiting to, i was like you know what? i'm not gonna treat myself to the guardians game until i get the easter egg and i haven't uh, played it. <laughs> i love that. i think you're, uh, so it's gonna be up your alley man <laughs> I think you're going to like it a lot. Uh, it it caught a amazing. lot of us off guard. It's really, really damn good. Great storytelling and characters. We get nice. a little backstory here on uh, Nowhere, which is a mining colony uh, in the severed head of an ancient celestial being. Dope. Just that part right there Come is on. cool as shit. They're mining all his That's brain fluid yeah. and, and uh, bone marrow and all sorts of stuff like that. That's super, super rare because obviously you don't come across a celestial being every day. Um, and you have to imagine. Hey, what do you think they're using the brain fluid for there, Andy? Oh, cocktails. Oh, cocktail. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> MT, do you honestly, have an answer? I, think, I honestly think that this is going to come back in Guardians 3 with the High Evolutionary. Um, it's because, like, mm. the High Evolutionary is all about um, evolving life like the Celestials were. And so, like, he's probably taking all of that fluid from nowhere and building that weird tentacle thing that we see in Guardians 3, um, I, which I think is going to be Super Ego, um, mm. which is because Super Ego looks a lot like that weird tentacle thing that we see in the trailer. Uh, but yeah, I think that celestial fluid is going to come back for sure. I think mixing cool. it in with like a vinaigrette dressing, sort of <laughs> like a light balsamic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they head, of course, toward a casino because the the uh, the collector has told them to wait as a, as a negotiation tactic. Uh, and realistically, as a story tactic, it's just they can get to know each other a little more, have a little conflict. Uh, of course, as they're heading in, another great Drax moment. Where he's like, "This place is a disrespectful place to to be. I would never, I wouldn't be caught dead in this establishment." And then he walks, and he's fucking hammered. And he cut, we cut like an hour later, he's hammered, having a great time with these little like. <laughs> the little the little dino fights yeah. Yeah. that were going oh, on. Okay. But yeah, yes. love that. Love the, the whole rocket stuff. Like again, such a great scene. But Nick, it was missing one thing. And it was the hit song Dinosaur from mm-hmm. the Super Mario Brothers 1993 movie. Open the the everybody rock the dinosaur, Tim. <laughs> oh, get on, on the floor. floor. Everybody rock the, the dinosaur. dinosaur. He was a dinosaur. <laughs> so good. Um, but we do get Another just as if I wasn't already in on this movie. I was like, this couldn't be better. We got a reference to Alyssa Milano. We've got a lot of great 80s references, a lot of great 80s and 70s music in this already. But then we get the scene. Pete and Gamora sitting on the balcony, talking to each other. And he says, he says, you know, he he wants to dance a little. She's like, I'm not a dancer. He goes, you know, we had had a name for you. People like you, the people didn't want to dance. And there's a whole there's a hero that saved them, and that hero's name. Kevin Bacon, and ha- as he's as he's making her, as he puts the headphones on, and it's it's that song fooled around and fell in love, and it's Perfect. so good. And he moves in for the kiss, and she is not having any of his <laughs> pelvic sorcery. She's like, I know guys like you. I've been with guys like you. You're not getting that easy. Great, great sequence because you're like, oh, he saw he's 
He's found her softer side, because this woman who's been tortured her whole life, and maybe he can bring that out. Nope. Not going to be that easy, Pete. She's not going to be another one of those purple, uh, pink ladies that just flies around your ship all the time. Yeah, no. Not going to happen. Let's see. Meanwhile, Root and Dragon. (laughs) They just go for it (laughs) with fucking Drax. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's like, oh, Oh, I was calling Peter a whore. I wasn't bringing up that. That's that's funny. That line line is great, though. Uh, let's see. Uh, meanwhile, Groot and Drax get in a fight inside, of course, because uh, they're calling Rocket Berman and things like that. And Rocket is drunk, and, and and all of that past trauma is coming out. Uh, he's like, "You guys call me a little monster. I'm not a little monster." Great then, performance. Great performance. Uh, and then Kyrie. I, I, every comes, time we got a moment like this, I was just like, oh, "I'm going to be emotionally devastated by Guardians 3." Oh man. I, I always thought damage through the first two, but I always thought the way this moment is kind of. Um, the, the way the lines are sort of said in this moment where they're having this conflict and everybody's drunk and kind of pissed off at each other, I thought like, wow, he's telling he's telling right now to Rocket two million credits, dude. We finished this. We're fucking rich. Like, just stay together for a little bit longer. Keep it together for a little bit longer. I thought like upon rewatching, I was like, I'm shocked. In most situations, there's always like somebody kind of listening. Oh like, yeah, two like, million credits. Two billion yeah. credits. Oh whatever, shit, yeah. we're oh, two billion. More, yeah. Yeah. We're going to, you know, this is our chance. Hey, did you hear these guys are talking about two billion credits? I kind of wish at this moment it was a bit more like, dude, it's fucking two million credits, dude. Shut the fuck up. You know, like, I wish it was like a little Mm -hmm. bit more understated. But he's just like telling the whole bar, like, we're about to be rich, dude. And I found that kind of odd. I don't know. Uh, We'll skip. Well, we won't skip anything. We'll keep going along here. Um, Of course, Karina comes to fetch them. Uh, The collector's ready to meet them. We get in there. First thing we see right off the rip, not even an Easter egg, right? Just that damn Russian dog. Co- is it Cosmo? Cosmo. Hey, Cosmo. It's hilarious. And he's just like, ah, MT, is this the Easter egg? Is this the one? Is, is this the one? Is yeah. it Cosmo? <laughs> yes, it's my it? favorite Easter egg. Gotcha. Uh, I love Cosmo so much. Outside, of course, Drax is pissed off because all this, uh, they, they travel halfway across the galaxy and are anywhere close uh, closer to uh, uh, killing Ronan. So, of course, he sends a drunk text to Ronan like he was, like he's trying to get a booty call uh, in the middle of the night. What's up, Andy? <laughs> Um, I, I don't want to interrupt the show, so I'm going to give MT some time to think about this. I want your top three Easter eggs by the end of the show. Thank okay, you very much. Great. Oh, Andy, oh okay. <laughs> I want to give you some time to think about this. Uh, I need a top three Easter egg song. Okay. Along with that for the podcast. And the podcast. Oh, this works. <laughs> You'll get your own theme song, MT. <laughs> uh, of course, we get there, and they're like, what is so important about this freaking orb? And he goes, oh, it's not an orb. The orb itself is just a carrying case for, and then we get the awesome explanation of the Infinity Stones, the six things that were once all got both down to these little stones and that was all creation and each one of them has a power and this is one of them it opens up and you see the purple glowing stone of the power stone right yep uh, of course karina Dude. sees that and goes i'm gonna use this to blow everything up i just really want to like talk about how special this moment was because i remember it being in 2014 these movies were still on the rise like avengers had happened two years prior and like wowed all of us but that was the buildup of phase one. Let's get the team together. Mm. Oh, my God. We actually got an Avengers movie. When Iron Man 1 happened, we get the post credits. I'm assembling a team. I lost my mind. I was like, I can't believe that we're going to get this. But I, I really couldn't believe it. Like, I did not think we would. And then we got Avengers, and it was as good as it was. And then it was like, what's next after this? And we start seeing the little teases and stuff. And as a comic reader, it was like, that might be one of the Infinity Stones. That might be one of the Infinity Stones. Mm. But even with the way the movie's presented it, it might not have been. Because yeah. the te- the colors and the Tesseract and the Mind Stone and all this stuff, it's like, it's not quite right. And even now knowing everything, like the colors from the comics do not align with the colors of the, the movies. So us fucking nerds are trying to break this down and figure it out. And it was just like, we think this is it, but what are they doing? And this movie just was like, hey, everybody. Yeah, this is what we're doing. 
We're building right. to the goddamn Infinity War storyline. And it just felt so <laughs> satisfying where it's like it was a moment that all of a sudden that feeling that Samuel L. Jackson gave us at the end of Iron Man 1, this movie was like, all right, strap in for Ant-Man, strap in yep. for fucking all of the things. We're heading to Thanos. We're heading to the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, after everything br- uh, blows up, uh, everyone starts to freak out like as uh, Gamora puts the Infinity Zone back into the orb, and, and Rocket's like, "Whoa, you had that in your pocket? Like, get that thing out of here! What are we doing? Uh, we got to get out of here." Of course, Rocket wants to get get away, but they're like, "No, no, 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 no! We got to take this over to the Nova Core so they can contain it. It's the only way we could possibly do that." But unfortunately, Drax's message was received. Ronan arrives with Nebula, and Yondu's there also. Uh, Ronan uh, just uh, straight up fucks up Drax. Not even a competition. This guy's just out of yeah. Drax's uh, weight class. Uh, they take the space. It's a cool little space sequence here where they're. I do want to say liners. real quick that he, uh, we kind of got this first uh, line drop moment of the MCU that I want to call like the uh, the Raul Julia of like when Raul Julia in Street Fighter Two is like classic. I killed a lot of people. You're to you. It was the worst day of the in the world for y'all, but to me, it was Tuesday. Yeah. And then we all remember the Thanos line of like, I don't even know who you are in that moment. We got to give some shout out to uh, Lee to Lee Pace in this moment of being like, I don't know who. Like, I killed your family. I don't remember who the fuck they are. Sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just know. another thing for me. And I, I love when char- I love when a villain does that. I think it's like one of the coolest, most badass things you can do. And I also want to give a shout out too to the the scene of like the power stone kind of like exploding and causing all the issues. It reminded me a lot of Rogue One when the Death Star like tested its power to destroy Jeddah, and it was like, oh shit, like this is just a I forget the number, but like one sixteenth of its full power or whatever. And just seeing how destroying this all was like this like accidental power stone dropping on uh, in nowhere. I just feel like did a really good job of setting the stakes of how powerful this thing actually potentially could be. Fair enough. Right. Uh, they take the space within these cool little miner ships. They don't have any guns, but they are indestructible. So they start ping ponging off these uh, the the Kree ships and just going right through them. We cut them cutting through them like Swiss cheese. Uh, the whole thing goes out into space, uh, and unfortunately, Gamora's pod gets exploded. Uh, she is floating out into the vastness there. Uh, Ronan gets the orb. They bounce, and Peter, Pete, and uh, Rocket now have a decision to make. She's going to die out there. Unless someone saves her and Pete decides, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice myself, but not before smartly calling in his position to Yondu, who knows he will, once he does that, will come immediately and try to snatch him up because he's pissed off. Pete goes out, puts the mask on her, and we get a great moment where it's like, this is kind of the moment where you're like, he's falling in love with her, mm-hmm. right? Because he sees her, she comes, she comes awake, and you can't really see her eyes in the thing, but he's like dying. He's got that horrible, like, bloodshot eye look thing that's terrifying that you always see in space when people are out in space um and then of course yeah i expected the, like the frozen leia to be flying by in this moment <laughs> do you think that at one point they were like what if he no okay that's mary poppins there. i'm mary poppins y'all wow, there it is next week uh next week uh let's see yondu comes snatches him up rocket gives Jack shit and then drax breaks down he's like you know what? you're right all of my anger all of my rage that was all just to cover my loss I'm, I'm i'm useless rocket tells Groot, look here's our plan Get a ship, get the hell out of here, get get all the way across the galaxy for as long as we can, live for as long as we can until this Infinity Stone destroys everything because it's only a matter of time. Uh, but Ronan has, over on the Ronan ship, Ronan's like, look, I got this thing now. I didn't know it was an Infinity Stone. I got it now. And fuck you, Thanos, basically. And Thanos is like, well, I don't know. You're not that powerful. He's like, well, I am. Or actually, one of his assistants is like, you can't double cross Thanos. You're not that powerful. He's like, I am now because now I've got this thing. Smashes it into his hammer and becomes like Super Ronin or whatever the name, whatever his comic book name would be. It's cool. I like that Ronin could just like grab it and push it in there because he's that powerful. Pretty dope. Uh, let's see. Nebula, of course, is like, you really going to kill my dad? <laughs> 
I'm in. Hey, Dad. It's like, man, people are turning sides on this just left and right. It's like a soap opera. It's like one of those uh, Real Housewives that Tim oh, watched. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Yandu gives Pete, this, uh, Pete the same guilt spiel that he's been giving him for years, and Pete, Pete finally pushes back. He's like, you didn't let people eat me. Normal people aren't supposed to eat other people. And you get – I love the chemistry between him and uh, Michael Rooker. They have a dad-son yep. – relationship it is what it is and it's one that i didn't give enough credit i was talking about uh loving guardians 2 after watching one when we first did in review and i remember one of my criticisms was the the father-son stuff i felt like really was like all right obvious in number two but in number one i was like they didn't build it at all i was fucking wrong like it is so built it's just it's a subtle. lot more kind of like it's subtle it's subtle it's yep. way more subtle but like there's just so many clear moments that like yeah there's history between this them. moment is that moment right it's that moment of like your mom telling you, like, I told you so, I told you so, so many times. And finally you'd be like, but you caused the problem to begin with, mom. You know, like that back and forth when you become an adult, you're pushing back, and then you can guys can be <clears> on a different level. I, I love it. And then, of course, he's like, look, Maroon's got this thing. If we put a plan together. We can go get it. It's going to be worth a lot of money. And that speaks to Yondu's heart, you know, in his pocketbook. And he's like, ah, I love you, Pete. You're, uh, you're back on the team, but not before uh, the ship gets a blast from outside. It's Rocket. He's put together the Hydron Enforcer with Drax sitting on top of the ship. And he says, if you guys don't give Pete back in five seconds, we're going to blow you up. Four, three, two. And Pete's like, whoa, 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 we figured it out. We're all good. Also, what was your plan there? <laughs> if they weren't going to give us back, you're going to destroy us? Like, well, yeah. Because like, they weren't really thinking. It's like, you gave us the five. You didn't even give them time to give us back. Uh, great moment. Great moment there. Uh, let's see. Of course, then this is where the team comes together. We get the circle. This is the circle sequence, right? And there's and there's so many great moments in this of just their insecurities and this and that. But Pete's like, look, we have an awesome opportunity right now. And for once in my life, we have an opportunity to give a shit. We have to go do this thing. We got to go fight Ronan and get this orb back or else all of Xandar is going to be destroyed. And you actually care about this because this is the first time in Pete's life he's actually cared about anything. And this might be the first time in his life that any of these people have had friends that could care about something. Uh, and, of course, one by one, they all decide to come together, the last of which is Rocket, who stands up and says, now I'm standing. You happy? We're all standing. <laughs> so fucking good. Again, this is so great. There, it shows such an understanding of James Gunn of superheroes, of superhero movies, and like how to subvert it, but like in a way that feels additive and not making fun of it and not thinking it's better than. It just really is like, no, we're doing our own thing here, showing reverence to Avengers and showing reverence mm -hmm. to like so many of the other great movies we've had. Uh, they hatch a plan. Uh, this pizza guy, I, Pete's like, I got a plan. He's like, you got a plan? He's like, part of a plan. <laughs> He's like, that's 12% of a pain. It's more than 11%. Uh, and then, of course, Rocket's like, listen, there's one more thing we got to we got to we need to complete this plan. That guy's eye. And he's like, no, we don't need that. It's okay. Uh, and John C. Riley. Come on, I need it, man. I, need it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, John C. Riley back over on Xandar gets a uh, message from Pete. Hey, uh, uh, Ronan is coming and, and Hell's coming with him. Uh, and he reports that back to Nova Prime. And Nova Prime's like, do you trust him? And he goes, well, he says he might be an a hole. But he's not 100% a dick. And she goes, <laughs> and I quote it. And I, and I quote that His word's not mine. And she goes, okay, but do you trust me? He goes, you know what? Yeah, I do. Uh, the I, don't dark think that any, I don't know if anybody's 100% a dick. The Dark Aster arrives in the atmosphere in the orbit of Nova, uh, excuse me, of Xandar, uh, and they begin the onslaught. Of course, Yondu and the Ravengers have all uh, rallied up. And I love that the Ravengers here, like, they don't make a ton of, I don't think they make any reference to the fact that the Ravengers, like, are like a clan. 
they have a whole mm. bunch of ships and a whole bunch of teams and a whole bunch of like little smaller groups within them that Yondu leads. But it's cool to see like the other ships, like the smaller ships there. Um, right? No. Or am I thinking that it doesn't matter? Um, the Nova Corps, of course, joins in before long. And then uh, as they do, Pete goes, Yeah, they got my dick message. Uh, so fun good. I think we might have skipped over the, the suit up scene. Cherry bombs playing. Oh, uh, we did. They all do the slow mo walk and all that. I mean, like again, just fucking pure badass, badass James Gunn greatness. And, and like every James needle drops a good um, every needle drops perfect yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, we keep talking about like how many cool things they created for this film that are now just like standard. But the whole idea of the hexagonal like kind of uh, space. Shit of like yeah, I love that travel. to get from yeah. point to and, point. And the jump points, yeah, and getting the the Nova Core, the way that they all kind of link up and all that stuff that we first see the hints of in this scene. It's like, damn, man, like, yeah, this is cool as shit. Um, I missed one line that I wrote that I just have to go back. I know we're getting a bit long, but I got to go back. It's when Rocket starts laughing at him. He goes, "That's a fake laugh." He goes, "It's real." <laughs> 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 it's so funny. Oh man. Anyway, uh, so it starts all happening, and of course, the the idea is they're gonna blow a whole own ship, uh, and they're gonna go in as they do. They get in, and they see a platoon of soldiers there, and they just blow them all away. And that's when we get the line, "We're just like Kevin Bacon," <laughs> and it's great. Now the team's on top on the dark aster, and they begin the assault. Of course, the plan. Is is that uh, uh, Gamora has to go down, shut off the, the locking mechanism to, to uh, Ronan's chamber upstairs, and then they're going to bring in the Hydran uh, uh, gun and kill and blow him out of space and get the thing back right, of course. Uh, Nova Prime orders his pilots to lock, uh, to lock in and make a net to stop it. This is where I start thinking maybe there's a better way to defend your planet than by, by sacrificing all your uh, pilots, but whatever. It's, I digress. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I probably have the biggest issue with this as a tech because I've... I, you gotta What's assume the as these soldiers, like they're like, oh, we're doing the fucking net thing. I haven't, I haven't done that exercise in three years. I don't that's even know that, how that's to, a thing we do. How often do we utilize this function? On our yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, they get aboard, and this is the first time we see sort of uh, Groot's uh, softer side. He releases a bunch of like these firefly-like uh, beautiful leaves, cool. flora yeah. things into the uh, into the atmosphere because it's. It's dark in there. I just picture oh, real quick. I just picture them looking up on YouTube, like fucking net ship exercise. God, how do <laughs> I do this? I, yeah. I don't remember tutorial. <laughs> look up tutorial. How to link up with yeah. other ships? How to tie it Like, and, the, and yeah, it's great. And this is where Drax kind of breaks it down. And he says, "I'm really grateful for you guys' friendship. Like, grateful for your friendship, Peter. You, and then and for the for this rabbit, and then." Does <laughs> he refer to her? I'm not even going to say it, but it's a great moment. She goes, "Hey, okay, how dare you there?" Um, uh, and then, of course, Nebula drops in. Nebula drops in and starts talking shit. And Drax shoots her with a rocket. Says, "Nobody talks to my friends like that." Down on the surface, Yonder uses his whistle to kill some folks with his arrow. So we get that first scene there. Oh, okay, off in the so badass sequence. So rad. Um, and I mean, you get, you're talking about like some of the dumbest motherfuckers that like just don't try to shoot him as he's making they don't this thing. <laughs> well, they don't know what's going on. They're like, what the fuck is that thing? They don't know. Um, but again, you know, this is like the this is like alpha, the open alpha version of the cooler version in part two. Uh, which yeah. I can't wait. Right. So oh. uh, Ronan orders his pilots to dive bomb the city below. Of course, Rocket comes to the rescue because the Nova Corps is uh, busy with being a, just a completely useless net. Around the dark aster, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then and then we get it, man. We get the payoff from Act One. Pete comes face to face with Korath, who goes Star Lord, and Pete goes finally, finally, <laughs> it's the best, dude. great. And then we get another another payoff where Drax kills someone, and he goes finger to the throat. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's like he's like it's a metaphor. He's like all right, it's, it's, we're getting there. Uh, yeah, and we're seeing all of them pop off yeah. in this moment. We're seeing all of them do their thing and be utilized to 
how they're to use they're being used best, you know, and I yep. love this whole sequence. Uh, Especially Rogue, Groot. Yeah, yeah. Groot destroys yeah. like a whole hallway of bad guys. And then like, what does yeah. he do at the end of it? Just a cute little smile. Just a smile. He's like smiling. I did good. <laughs> Uh, of course, Ronan uses the, the power stone to destroy the entire Nova core, uh, and then Gamora beats Nebula downstairs and tries cool to plays of action. We're getting Star Wars here. We are, we're, like, we're, we're doing yeah. the like Star Wars at its best. Like we get the space fight, we get the like uh, internal like family fight, we get all this stuff. But I also love the uh, space stuff, like not being fully in space against the Death Star, but it's like protecting a planet, like kind of like a, a tower defense almost. And they get in the position right. where like they pull the ships up and put it like turn up, and they're shooting at the ships as they come back down towards them i'm like i've never seen anything like this like this is very creative very very good like um i think that that was like a, a reference to what was i'm blanking on that game the eight the game the the space game like, where you shot space like invaders. Aliens. or space invaders yeah yeah space invaders exactly yeah. i think that was like a direct um reference to the space invaders asteroids so sort of thing yeah. yeah this whole sequence is really cool uh gamora right. of course gets the door open uh and shout out also to just the the assistant for glenn close just tapping away on that fucking tablet. Who knows what she's Googling in that moment? She's just next to Glenn Close yep. fucking typing up a freaking storm. Trying dude. to get a promotion. It's good. Uh, Gamora opens the door to Ronan's chamber, and Pete shoots him with the Hydron, uh, Hydron Enforcer. Unfortunately, it does not work. That Infinity Stone is just too darn powerful. Luckily, Rocket... The rescue one more time smashes the Milano into them, uh, which incapacitates the Aster. And if I were one of the pilots left over from the Nova Corps, I might be like, mm, mm. mental note, could have done that. Yeah. One of us could have probably done that. <laughs> Not all of us. We didn't all have to die. Uh, and then, of course, as the ship's going down and they have no other uh, choice, they're all going to go down with it. And Groot decides to form a, a protective sphere around them with his own body. And Rocket just uh, uh, pleads with him not to do this because he's going to die. And all he says is, we are Root. Are Root. Oh, my God. Not Root. Oh, my God. Vin Diesel's best acting ever. Vin fucking Diesel, man. He did that thousands of times in every language across the globe. All right? Yep. And he did it for us. Yeah. (laughs) What a fucking moment. Yeah. Yeah, It's about family, Tim. It's about family. It's about family. Uh, The team narrowly survives, of course, but unfortunately, Groot is kindling and has passed. Uh, Ronan. Not dead either. Walks out of the ashes. And he says, behold, your guardians of the galaxy. What fruit have they wrought? Uh, Rocket starts to subtly fix the, the enforcer over to the left. While Pete uh, get, uh, and Pete sees it and gets it and goes, okay, he's going to need a distraction for a second. There's no better distraction than a dance-off. Because, of course, again, for the third time, we're hearing that. We're hearing Uchild play uh, behind him. Someday. And so he starts breaking it down. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, it's a distraction. Uh, and then, of course, as he does that, uh, they fire off the, the the hydron enforcer. It blasts the hammer to smithereens. Pete dies for it, grabs it, and this sequence, this effect of his face coming off and all that shit what is so dope. And we get a wonderful, wonderful payoff uh, because uh, he can't contain the power. And uh, Gamora reaches out and she says, "Pete, give me your hand." God damn! Y'all just oh, hold a hand, dude. Dude. MT. I'm holding my hand. Holy crap. And it hits, it hits because you're like, oh shit, because we see the mom, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't really hit until it's she grabs his hand, Batista grabs her hand, and then you see Rocket's little hand. James Gunn <laughs> calls this the Michelangelo moment. He was like, I kn- oh. like one of the first moments I had in my mind making the, writing this movie was Rocket reaching up to finish it off, being the what the little punk that didn't want to join yeah. the group, yeah. but clearly did. 
But like this was like such a moment. But this whole scene is just so perfectly done. Groot sacrificing himself. The we are Groot moment. We're already feeling emotionally like tarnished. Yeah. And then we get down. We get the the callback to the dance joke, and it's brilliant. We're cracking up, and it's so fucking good. We're not gonna have a crazy big final climax fight. No, it's a dance off. This is hilarious. This is perfect. And followed up with the take my hand. Yep. The callback to his mom dying of <laughs> cancer. The team. Confirming they are together, and it all comes down to you said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians, guardians of the, of the galaxy. galaxy with the music popping off at an all time high, dude. Woo-hoo! There is just like the the turn, and, and Tim, you can attest to this when fucking uh Sting or eight or or Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels are on the ground and they're in a chokehold and they're struggling you're like wow they're about to tap out of this wrestling match and you see the hands start to raise and that moment of them they're all struggling they're in pain and then suddenly there's just a turn of them all like this is us now and we are not in pain oh my god it's so it's badass cool. dude so cool it's so cool uh of course uh, I'm very they- glad that uh, Groot was uh, dead at that point cuz he would have just Went on fire. Fried. Yeah. Went, <laughs> the forest fire. on fire. Burning bush. <laughs> uh, of course. Fuck. I, like, you fuck. say more words? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I was just playing. <laughs> um, I didn't know I had more words. It's yeah. painful. <laughs> Uh, as the stone, of course, powers down, they lock it back into one of the new, like, fan-dangled spheres that all of them have. We saw that they all had one, just in case, which was cool. Smart little little storytelling uh, uh, device earlier. Uh, and then Yondu catches them, and he's like, Pete, gotta hand it over, or you you know the deal. If you don't hand it over, you're gonna die. Of course, Pete's like, dude, you know how powerful this thing is. Do not open that, because you've seen what it can do. And it's, like, great misdirection. At one point, he, like, passed it behind his back. I was like, that's a little not subtle, but whatever. I get it. We know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, of course, uh, Gamora's like, well, why would you do that? He's like, I gave him a different one. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> as they leave, of course, uh, we see Kragen, uh, who's talking to Yondu. And he says, you know, cool, turned out all right. Good thing we didn't deliver him to his dad like we were supposed to, right? He's like, yeah, good thing. A little teeing up for a Guardians, up too. Uh, of course, the Nova Corps tells Pete that he's half Terran, but he's also half something else. He's like, you're, you're, he's like you're something ancient we've never seen before. Your father must have been that. We don't really know what's going on. That's why you were able to hold the stone, which is cool. Dude, um, honestly, like, I, I love this because yeah. it's like as you're watching this movie, like any plot hole this thing has of just like, like how did he survive that? How yeah. is he out in space? How whatever? It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, they answered it here. Like yep. teed up for the future movie. But like even in this movie, like, oh, yeah, he's not all human. Yeah, he's half. Cool. It's all we really is need. Is Ego a celestial? Also, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Well, We'll see next week. We'll see. Oh, uh, most I also want to <laughs> shout outs to the the thing that uh, he gave uh, his his like adoptive father. The 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 inside had the little. Glass. Oh, we're not there yet. Yeah. So we, we cut over to that, and they're all partying on the Ravenger, and then Yondu kind of looks at it. He just knows. He's like, God damn it! Opens <laughs> it up, and what is it, Kevin? It's a little glass frog, right? No, it's no, a troll it's doll. A troll. The yeah. ultimate yeah. troll, dude. He, he trolls them. It's a troll doll. Real. But instead of getting mad. And again, shout out to Michael Rooker. He just looks down at it and he smiles because he realizes he's like, I got another excuse to hang out with Pete. That's kind of what it is, right? Come on, man. It's Great. so good. It's it's, there's uh, one scene we, we glossed past a little bit here, but um, Rocket being so sad, holding Brute's uh, yeah. dead mm. fucking body, like pieces of it, like come the fuck on. How? Be still, my heart. Drax yeah. going down and petting Rocket on the head and Rocket having that moment of like, get the fuck off me, and but then, then just being like, Thank right, you. Oh just, my yeah, god, this good. movie's so it's good. So, it's good. I have a feeling that like after we all watch Guardians 3 and we rewatch 
movement of like Rocket crying over Groot. It's gonna be like, oh my god, he's lost all of his friends at this point. Aww. Like he's just he lost his only other friend, so he's just sad. And like it's gonna hit a lot different after Guardians Three. Yes. Um, of course, uh, the Nova Corps has given him a, a reboot Milano. Right, and they're like, "Hey, don't don't steal anything anymore." We get a fun scene where Rocket's like, "What if I really, really want <laughs> Incredible. something?" Incredible. Someone else has it. No, that's that's stealing. And the no, 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 no like, but you don't get it. I really want. Yeah, it. Yeah, but I really want. It. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to have a conversation with the guy. This guy's not getting it. Uh, get the Drax, of course, the one-two punch where he's like, "What if I were to beat someone um, like to death?" And he's like, "Well, well that would be murder." Like, that's the worst of all crimes. And he just goes, hmm. <laughs> yeah. walks away. Um, back Duly on the noted. Ship. Of course, Peter finally has the courage because now he has a support group and a family to open up the gift that his mom gave him on his deathbed. He starts with the note, and the note is very, very lovely. Of course, it ends with her referring to him as his, her little star lord. Holy oh. shit. And he opens it up. Could this movie get better? Uh, I don't know. He opens it up, and it is an awesome mixtape volume. Two. It could get better, everybody. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it just did. Just get the um, nice, pretty little bow. Yeah. Uh, this is where we cut over right. the ship and see the troll doll. Yondu smiles. And then, meanwhile, the real stone is being locked away in a, in a, uh, a vault on Xandar, which I don't remember it staying there. Oh, no, we do, it does. Because oh, it does. The, the Thanos just, like, lays waste. Destroys it. Right? it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably see eventually in a, a Nova... Something or Fingers other. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, also, we get a little baby Groot here. This is where we see that. A little baby Groot's going back. We're like, oh, that's great. And then uh, he asked the team, what should we do next? Something good, something bad, or a little bit of both? And she says, we'll follow your lead, Star-Lord. He goes, a bit of both. And then we get a fun little sequence here with uh, Michael Jackson playing and baby Groot dancing. Dude. And that's it. It hits with, like, Guardians. this. we get the, the Guardians of the Galaxy will return, like, before the credits even. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That's the, the they... The confidence there. They knew what they had. We fucking got this, and you guys are going to be there when we return. And we have been. Like, to think about this, like, the Guardians have now returned multiple times. Like, this group of people have been in, what, five movies or specials or whatever at this point? Like, that's pretty goddamn impressive. Pretty cool. Uh, Of course, we we don't get a mid-credit sequence here, right? We haven't haven't started those quite yet, or maybe that, that wasn't, like, in vogue yet. We do get a post-credit sequence. Yes, exactly. Which, of course, is the Collector and Howard the Duck sipping marks while Cosmo the Dog just looks at him. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> I love it. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1. What a film. Um, so we originally ranked for um, Ragu Bagu, which, uh, let's, let's hit it. Ragu. Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ride Guys Talk Bad Guys here for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tim, you want me to say all 74 of them? No, definitely not. Uh, (laughs) So we we ranked the bad guys in the MCU. Um, So trying to see where... I think uh, we ranked Lone and Ronan really low. I don't remember him being a very high I mean, because like that's the thing. Let's talk about... like MC, what do you think of Ronan as a bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy? I think that at the time that Guardians 1 came out, like, he wasn't really all that of a a fleshed-out villain. However, I feel like after um, the Marvels, when um, when we see more of that, um, his backstory um, detailed, and, like, in that past gripe that he has with his um, Zendarians potentially, um, like, explored, I feel like we'll then appreciate Ronan a lot more. But, like, as, like, if, if I'm talking about, like, myself in 2014, eh, yeah, like he's an all right villain. Like I feel like they could have done a lot better, but like, you know, I think Lee Pace did a great job. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, it is interesting though with how our rankings work, since there are so many villains in the MCU, uh, we end up tiering them from A tier all the way down to, or from S tier all the way down to F tier. Um, and 
Ronan comes in at number 45 on our list in the F tier category. Mm, yeah, he's not uh, great. Yeah. Oh, uh, underneath, damn. cross from Ant Man. Uh, but above, <laughs> it doesn't matter from Deadpool 2 because we didn't even remember who the fuck. <laughs> Do you remember who the bad guys were in Deadpool 2, MT? Wasn't it? Wait, it was the cleaning product. It was. Uh, wait, no, wait, that's not. Wasn't Gina Carano? Deadpool 2. Uh, what J- Ajax was in Deadpool one. Deadpool two was. Um, what was Gina Carano's character? I don't remember. I haven't watched I Deadpool two since we saw all. it in theaters on a real small oh, wow. screen. God damn it! Thanks, I was like, if Andy fucking mentions the size of the movie theater screen for that, <laughs> oh, it was I'm cable. Gonna... It was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, then he was a good yeah. guy. Oh, the oh, kid. The was cable school. That little kid. The Essex school kid with thing. The firepowers. Yeah. Yeah. The kid from uh, the Wilderbeast. Yeah. I mean, Andy's right. It was too hard to see. It was hard. Yeah, we tell the screen was yeah, really tough. yeah. Uh, but anyways, I, I you know the whatever. worst human being. <laughs> that seems harsh for this, but also I think it is what it is. Like the bad guys aren't the point of this movie, but there's enough going on that I don't think it really needed one like an amazing bad guy to like work. I, I'll say this, and also the way when we rank these bad guys, it's not only like how badass were they at being a bad guy, what were their motivations, but also sometimes. Like, hey, maybe the motivations were great, but goddamn, that performance by so-and-so actor was incredible. And I don't feel like Lee Pace was anything, like, extraordinary to kind of bring up the badassery, which was kind of not super existent through a lot of it. He, he did crush a, a dude's skull. Yeah, he didn't have a lot to do. Yeah, You're right. He's very, he's very, like, comic book villain 1.0, right? Yeah. I don't think he brings a ton right. of dimension to this character. I think he kind of hams w- it up a little bit too much here and there. Yeah, I would definitely say his best scene was his fight with Drax, and yeah. then like it sort of just you know peers down from there, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, Chris said her name is Angel Nick, but that's the wrong movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, Gina Carano's character. Oh, I must have been talking Deadpool one. Yeah, yeah, or maybe not. I don't even <laughs> yeah, know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I want to look at the MCU rankings that we have now. MT, I'm going to warn you right now. Whenever guests okay. see our rankings of any franchise for the first time, they are wowed. They are like, that is the worst <laughs> list I've ever seen. But we are a democracy here. We have a voting okay. process, and this is the list that came out of that process. Um, so currently, Guardians of the Galaxy is coming in at number 13. Okay. Which like is lower than I feel like it should be, but also you start looking at these movies, there's a lot of really damn good ones. Um, so I'm going to read... 1 to 15 for y'all, just so you know. Number 1, Avengers Endgame. Okay. 2, Avengers Infinity War. 3, Spider-Man No Way Home. 4, Spider-Man Homecoming. 5, Captain America Civil War. 6, Thor Ragnarok. 7, Captain America The Winter Soldier. 8, Guardians 2. 9, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. 10, Loki. 11, WandaVision. 12, Avengers. And 13, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Uh, 14, Shang-Chi. 15, Thor Love and Thunder. That's the one that I think we're going to regret the most <laughs> overall about its placement. <laughs> but I hey. I like that you preface it like anytime we show guests we hate this list as if each individual person also doesn't hate this list. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, I'm glad everyone understands. It's how it Look, goes. Listen, Winter Soldier is too low and Love and Thunder is too high. That's all I'll say. Look, th- Love and Thunder made me laugh a whole lot, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I right. came out of that theory being like, this movie not great, I but like I love Thunder. I pushed for 15. too many goats. I was just thinking too, goats, like, you know, what work you know why i had love and thunder so high i blame myself honestly for this it's just every joke of mjolnir being jealous of stormbreaker and like I it was just that. the funniest fucking bit bro. it's the funniest that shit was hilarious it was funny it was very funny the goats worked but the how do you feel about guardians placement on this one guardians one uh i think it's right 
I think that sounds that thirteen's good. I mean, if you look at the top ten list. I don't know that it's breaking that. I think. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of putting the movies over the TV shows, even though the TV shows hit. But I, so I might, if we were to remake this now, I'd probably want Guardians at ten. I'd probably kick that up to ten. Over Avengers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe because you go back and watch Avengers, and it's you remember Avengers yeah. with you know rose-colored yeah. glasses a little bit. It's a good movie, but Guardians is like. It's just very well made. It, it hits. It, it, there's no fat. It's just it is just a ve- very well paced, very funny when it needs very to be subtle paced. movie. Yeah. Um, I will say I will say this when it comes to Guardians, uh, we have Chris Anka in the chat who says like switch part one and part two. I think part two is so strong for me because not only is it really good throughout. Mm. I mean, well, it's not. I don't want to review two right now, but it's just like in the way that. Up starts incredibly strong, and that's kind of what we remember Up for. Guardians Two ends incredibly strong, I and that's what I remember Mary Poppins right. Guardians I'm with for. You, yeah, I can't wait for next week to see because yeah, me with Guardians, I'm so high on this rewatch of Guardians One that I definitely feel like it deserves top ten, debatably even top five um, overall. But we're mm. talking about movies that I love so much that it's it's hard. I don't think that this is that wrong. It's any place. given Sunday, Tim. Yeah, right. but but I will. Uh, the thing I'm most excited for personally is next week, knowing if I rank one over two. That'll yeah. be interesting. Mm. That'll yeah. be very interesting. It'll be fun. MT, I want to ask you, uh, what are your, and you don't need to like make this like an official thing, but what would you think your <laughs> like top three MCU movies are? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, definitely Winter Soldier is up there for sure because I love Winter Soldier to death. Um, I also I hmm, I would say Guardians One is a uh, definitely up there as a number two because that just means a lot to me on a personal level. Like I literally would not have my job without um, the Guardians One Easter egg hunt. Um, so like definitely Guardians One and hmm, oh my god, top three. This is so tough. I would also say, and this is going to kind of be controversial, but I really liked Ant-Man 2. A lot of people did not like Ant-Man 2 a lot. I know, it's very controversial. But, like, I just feel like that movie had a lot of really fun. So I'm a big fan of um, Scott and little Cassie's dynamic. I just love uh, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love how... um, uh, what's his name? Says Scott. I want me blank on him. Michael Douglas, the doctor. And yeah, Michael does, Douglas. Yeah, and, and he give give him the whole the whole thing. It's, it's Scott. We, Scott, you have to use the and Scott. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I won't give him the whole how thing. Did get, oh, hey, uh, how do you get throat cancer again? <laughs> oh, oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I really do like. Actually, no, no, no. Okay, I'm not gonna put it in my two. It's Age of Ultron, and I know. But like, I really like um, Ultron's depiction. Like, there's a lot of like really good writing in that movie, even though not the best director. Um, But like, um, it's I just like a a lot of like the the god um, imagery and the god talk from Ultron. It's very, very like um, layered dialogue writing because like he basically like thinks of himself as a god, like a robot god. And, like, just re-watching Age of Ultron and, like, just, like, thinking about the dialogue on a deeper level just really makes me love that film a whole lot. So I would say those three. I, okay. um, I uh, <laughs> whenever we talk about a lot of the villains and a lot of these kind of characters, there's a lot of characters we get really sad whenever it's like, well, that character's dead, and so is that actor's presence, because, damn, they were good. Like, I would have loved if we could have James Spader and, like, ten more. James of, Spader was so He's just so good. fucking good, man. And I we feel so that amazing. about a lot of different people in the MCU. We're like, damn it, now, like, 
I loved Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, mm. and it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll see. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so damn good. Now, Andy, did you? I gave you thirty minutes to figure out a song. Yeah, you have it. Now, MT, I gave you thirty minutes to think of a top three Easter eggs. Do you have it? <laughs> I do have. I wrote some of my okay, hand. Perfect. I was like, oh my god, I got to think perfect. of something. Um, okay. I, I, have I have the theme three. song. One sec. We gotta, I gotta introduce you with, the, with okay. your very own brand new theme song. They're hiding, so he's finding all the Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Play that at my funeral, honestly. Um, no, okay. <laughs> okay, my first Easter egg um, is that the bar that um, they go to and nowhere is called the Boot of Jemiah. And Jemiah is, of course, a celestial. Um, Jemiah the Analyzer, if I'm not um, mistaken. Um, and so, like, all, all the locations in Nowhere seem to be named after um, Celestials. I think, like, the communications tower that um, Drax go to is called Exitar, if I'm not mistaken, mm. which is all, Exitar the Executioner, which is also Celestial. But anyway, oh. um, but speaking of this bar, that um, when, when, the, when Drax and um, Rocket and Groot are, like, watching those animals fight, one of those animals is actually that fuzzy creature from uh, Guardians 3. I, I forget the name. Is it the Fazaz or something? Um, but like that weird multiple eared fuzzy creature that we see in the previous Guardians Three oh, is oh. um that's um a a hairless version of that is what they're <laughs> watching fight in uh, Guardians One, which is I thought was hilarious. Um, it's quite terrifying because it looks very ugly in Guardians One and a lot more adorable in Guardians Three. <laughs> um, and my last Easter egg is that okay, speaking of that Nova ship connecting thingy, this is not really confirmed, but like in my Easter egg hunting um, madness. I realized that that was most probably most likely a reference to Rom Space Knight. Um, when, because um, like in Mask I and Rom, Rom, Rom the Space that? Knight. Which one was Rom the Space Knight? Rom, Rom is like like Mama Mask and all that stuff, right? Like they're all connected. Rom and Mask and Micronauts, Transformers. Oh, okay. like they're, yeah, they're owned by Hasbro. Yeah, okay, um, yes. That's I was Hasbro like, wait, you can't be talking about Mask at the toy, the, the cartoon. Oh yeah, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but sorry, Marvel yeah, used to. No, no, it's okay. Marvel used to write the uh, the ROM comic books, and like in in the origins for the ROM story against um the these dark beings called I forgot what they were called the Dark Wings. Anyway, basically they all link up their ships in a very similar way to um the way that they did in the Nova Corps. And knowing that James Gunn is a huge fan of ROM Space Knight, I was like, that that cannot be a coincidence. I feel like he definitely did that in response to um him loving ROM growing up. So, and isn't that uh, one of those yeah. weird things where where ROM is one of the weird technicalities that is owned by Marvel, but they don't have the film rights, so James can't use him in the movies or yeah, something? Yeah, so, like, uh, Hasbro owns um, ROM, but, like, you know, they had a deal with Marvel back in the day to make the, the Marvel comic based off of ROM, but, like, now that Hasbro took back ROM, they can't use uh, basically most of the stuff that, that ROM was doing in the MCU, I mean, in the Marvel uh, comics universe, rather. Um, so yeah, like there's a whole space night planet in Marvel that they can't use. Oh and shit! I, I think that planet Damn. is so freaking rad. Uh, it's called Galador, and it's like the coolest freaking planet in the Marvel yeah. Comics universe, in my opinion. It's a bunch of robot space people. It's basically a bunch of Mega Man's on oh, a planet. Awesome. Like I want that in the <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe so badly. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, those Very are my cool. three Easter eggs. They, they were hiding, so he's finding all those Easter eggs. All three of them. Yeah. Gotta love it, everybody. <laughs> this was such a blast. Remember, this is kind of funny. He's in review next week. We will be doing the rewatch for 
Guardians 2. And then, of course, the week after that, we will be doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We are, uh, th I don't want to promise anything, but the plan right now is to, of course, do the in-review for Volume 3 for sure. Uh, but we're also going to try to do a spoiler-free uh, review uh, of Guardians 3. Screencast-style uh, thing? Uh, Screencast-style thing. Hopefully, uh, in addition to, uh, with maybe a different cast, I think I'm going to try to get Joe on that one as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun for everybody involved. MT, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy we finally got to get you on some kind of funny content. Can't wait to get you actually in the room on the desk. Yeah. But until then, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on New Rockstars primarily. That's um, my my home where I do all my weird theories. Um, uh, NewRockstars.com, YouTube.com slash NewRockstars. But mostly I am on Twitter at Mastertainment where I talk about a bunch of weird theories and post a lot of weird shit. Um, so you guys can follow me there at Mastertainment. Yeah, definitely do that. He is incredible. The best in the biz when it comes to this stuff. So go support him. Go support oh, New Rockstar. And those links will be in the description. Exactly. Right? Definitely check the description for all of that. Um, but until next time. Have a marvelous day. Hey. <laughs>